Welcome to episode 151 of the Grip Strip Podcast, playoffs uh, edition of the Grip Strip Podcast in the in ode to Jim Morris Sr. It is playoffs week, first round, the super wild card weekend. And uh, for that, I figured we need to have extra, extra people on. So I'm Philip Matthew. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, the man, one of the top fans of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm surprised he hasn't cut a promo yet. Hopefully he does on this show. <laughs> His name is Josh Fine. What's going on, man? Doing great, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to set a promo, but, set a promo, but whatever. But um, great, great to be on. But um, yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars back on to uh, the playoffs first time in five years after you know making it 2017 where they're. Um, first time in 10 years so we cut the time in half so now hopefully we can be there year after year but you know excited to be in the playoffs again and i'm actually going to go to the playoff game against the la chargers so uh it's going to be a pretty fun uh saturday next saturday and already you know a lot of a lot of emotion a lot of uh uh highs right now so you know ready to talk about it yeah absolutely we're going to be talking a lot of NFL here to start and I figured I'd invite somebody that is a fellow faithful member uh somebody who uh, puts out content puts out good stuff and we were able to go and talk offline his his name on Twitter is Niner Nate what's going on man how are you guys doing um thank you for bringing me on it's uh you know, I was thinking about it I was sitting in my uh, chair at work today I was just sitting there thinking it's just you know and it's funny you're a Jaguars fan um Josh because as a Niner fan kind of spoiled right like the fact that we are now on another trip to the potentially the super bowl last year they were the nfc championship game i mean right now i feel like i'm on top of the world um philip i really feel like they're the best team in the nfc and there's only one team really stopping them from hoisting number six and that's kansas city and patrick mahomes no offense to the jacksonville jaguars of course but uh and it just i'm taking it's it's honestly unbelievable and i'm just so excited and i just i really hope they pull this off because if they pull this off this will be not only 49er history this is nfl history because kyle shanahan really did something truly truly amazing with this football team we'll definitely talk about that because if it does happen I don't know what episode number it'll be, but it may not be able to be recorded because I'll probably be in a hospital because I'll have had a heart attack because I would have been so happy <laughs> and I probably would have drank so much that I'll, I'll pass out um, because that's what's happened the last two times. Well, not pass out, but I've gotten really shit-faced when the Niners played those Super Bowls. But then, let's be fair, one of them was against Double Murder and then the other one was against uh, Kermit the Frog. So I kind and Jimmy was a quarterback. So then you kind of have to drink when you watch Jimmy play football. Uh, so um, yeah, we're gonna get into all of that. We're gonna talk about last week. Uh, the Jaguars on Saturday night go and win their fourth division title in team history. Come back from three and seven, five game losing streak to get into the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence does what he has to do, but that defense goes insane. Baptizes Josh uh, Dobbs. Uh, he had the deer in the headlights look, and he's like, why the hell did I sign up for this? Um, the way your defense was playing, Niners were able to go and kind of and put a whooping on the Cardinals and send Cliff Kingsbury and all of his beauty supplies home. Um, now he's going and he's he's fired with Steve Keim, who had I don't know how many coaches he hired over his tenure um they're saying he i mean i'm sure he has health there are some health concerns but to be fair he wasn't that good uh we'll uh get into all the matchups for super wild card weekend uh who who didn't make it 
There's a couple of big ones that didn't make it. Uh, we'll get into those and then uh, talk about who got fired. I just mentioned Kingsbury's one of them. Uh, Lovey Smith won, lost to Houston Texans, the number one pick, and then got fired because I'm pretty sure that wasn't part of the script that Cal McNair and Nick Casario had. But to be fair, Cal McNair and Nick Casario both clueless. And that's why you're 2 14 and 3 14 and or 13 and 1 or whatever, 14 and 1 uh, team. And they're trying to hire Josh McCown or something, I guess. I don't know. They'll probably hire somebody from that probably works at the Buckies across the street from there or whatever. That's probably who they're going to hire next. Uh, we'll also get into the Fall Brawl League that Wilson has won for a third time, making me nauseous um, because I got blown up in that. And also the Buffalo-Cincinnati game was part of that. But And then we'll get into the racing side. There's a lot of stuff going on with the Andretti uh Autosport Andretti Global uh, with their trying to get Cadillac and also it looks like Alpine. I thought it was Honda. Now it was Alpine trying to work with them, but the rest of the F1 teams won't have anything to do with it because they're assholes. Um, we'll probably, I'll probably go off on that. Roundup, we'll talk about A1 at Anaheim, which saw Eli Tomac win his first A1, uh, come back from a fall, pass everybody and win and uh, pass chad reed in the process we'll get into the dakar rally which is basically over in the cars in the car category the motorcycle uh race is still pretty good preview the chili bowl they're racing tonight as we speak formula e's coming back this week getting into news related to imsa and the rolex 24 nascar there's some stuff i read today that might be worth going off on as well uh josh will do his sim segment and uh Missed out on DWR this past week. I'll see if hopefully we could get you in for the last race there, uh, the world finals. But last week they're at Eldora driving Honda Civic TCRs, which was hilarious. Um, and we'll close the deal. So, yeah, so we'll, uh, Josh, I mean, I'll give you the floor, man. I got into the Jacksonville, Tennessee game and I was, I was not, I was shocked that they were down and I'm like, oh God. Don't tell me this is going to happen. I mean, Jaguars get on this run, and then they dump to the Tennessee Titans, who have their third-string quarterback out there because their rookie quarterback couldn't complete a forward pass. And, I mean, Josh Dobbs has been on, like, he's trying to do the um, reverse Ryan Fitzpatrick because he never plays. In this case, he actually did play. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't enough. Uh, Jaguars struggled in certain areas, but... In the grand scheme of things, Trevor Lawrence did enough, but your defense is scary. Um, it kind of reminds me of 2017. I would think it has 2017 vibes. I mean, it's when you have a shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. When you guys made that run and the difference is you actually have a quarterback now, uh, unlike unlike back in 2017. So uh, you guys are number four seed. You'll be hosting the L.A. Chargers, Anaheim, Alameda, and every other residing town and whatever on Saturday night. And uh, that'll be a good one because the Duval County showed up on last Saturday um, and it was nuts. I could only imagine what a playoff game is going to be like. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was almost already a playoff game there with, you know, the game against the Titans. And um, you, know, you made a point earlier about how, you know, you guys as 49er fans are, you know, kind of spoiled and everything. And, you know, you've guys, you know, got all your championships from the past and all that stuff. Well, you know, in the early days of Jacksonville, you know, they were, I mean, it was before I was um, a football fan or 
you know, fan of Jaguars, but the Jaguar fans were all spoiled with the early success that that team's had. And then, you know, we kind of went into a, a dark period, um, you know, for a while. And then, you know, had a couple of playoff appearances here and there during Jack Del Rio, Jack Del Rio era. And then, you know, went to a really bad period for, you know, about a decade. And then, you know, had that 2017 run and then it was back to the darkness again after that. And, um, you know, what was so meaningful about that game is that, you know, this time, you know, it seemed like, you know, unlike the last time in 2017, um, you know, it seemed like this is something that's going to last, you know, for a good while, you know, five, 10 years, um, at least, you know, with Trevor Lawrence and, uh, Doug Peterson. So, um, you know, it just, shows the you know potential of you know what's what's to come in the future you know no matter what happens uh in this playoff run that they're going to be in now so um you know maybe we'll have a, a opportunity to be spoiled i guess like the 49er fans um like you guys have had for you know so many years but um you know it, it was just a you know incredible game from just the fan standpoint you know being in the crowd if you were there i was not i was you know in my house but um you know the you could hear the stadium crowd from your tv um you know the whole freaking thing started off with probably maybe the most jacksonville thing ever or florida man thing ever with um the local musician you know with the uh, long hair like almost a mullet uh sunglasses uh playing the star spangled banner on his uh you know american flag guitar so you know that was a funny sight to see and everything but you know just the um just the atmosphere you know you could tell it was a big game and you know obviously biggest game in jacksonville since that buffalo uh bills playoff game in 20 uh you know for the 2017 season so um yeah just a incredible environment and then the game itself it was a little bit surprising because uh the last time uh, jacksonville had a you know great game offensively you know trevor lawrence that was kind of the game that he came into his own you know after the um or one of the games that he did that you know had just had a career performance that day um and made a lot of uh throws that you know you could consider i guess him throws that's you know him you know trevor lawrence is him and all that stuff so um you know he had a lot of good throws in that game but um you know this game you know the uh titans you know they just came out and i guess they they were ready on defense and uh, they stopped the run, which they did last time when the Jacksonville played them in Tennessee. So um, that part wasn't surprising, but I guess they were able to adjust better to the Jaguars' offense. And I think maybe the lack of a true number one receiver on the Jaguars' side kind of started to show. Um, and of course, you know they'll get Calvin Ridley next year. Um, you know once he comes back from suspension, but um, kind of that that need for a guy like that came in in this game and you know you saw with uh, some of the some of the plays or misses that they had where they could have used a number one receiver to um, take the top off the defense and I think it's maybe where some of the offensive struggles that they had earlier in the season kind of started to come back and you know they really had to rely on their defense to make the stops and of course you know you saw a bunch of sacks that they had uh, on Josh Dobbs and then you know interception they had they couldn't get a touchdown got a field goal off of it and then uh you know later on they were able to force the fumble and uh you know turn it back for a touchdown and I guess you know that's kind of similar to 2017 because that team you know in addition to all the interceptions and sacks that that team had uh they also had a lot of turnovers and they uh, were able to create points off of turnovers and this game you know and the last couple of games really um and throughout the year really they've had uh games where they've been able to um create a bunch of turnovers and um 
go uh, return it for a touchdown or set up the offense for either a field goal or their own touchdown. So uh, just, um, you know, from, from that standpoint, you know, a really uh, great game. Um, and, you know, for a while there, you know, it was stressed uh, for me. I was, you know, very stressed. And um, I had a conversation with my dad, like, um, you know, a couple of days before, you know, we were talking about like how the Jacksonville media and a lot of other media were really playing up the Jaguars and, you know, saying that, you know, the Jaguars are the better team. You know, they've got all the better coaches, the better players, et cetera, et cetera. And then we're like, you know, this might be a big setup for, you know, uh, setting them up to fail. Like, you know, Tennessee comes out and, you know, defeats them, but, you know, they were able to pull it out in the end. So just a, you know, real emotional victory. And, you know, uh, hopefully you know, we have, uh, a win against the chargers and we're able to, you know, go out and, um, start a playoff run. And, you know, if we have to go through the chiefs, we have to go through Buffalo, so be it. And, you know, maybe, maybe they get there. So we'll see, but, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, getting able to play on a national stage, the Jaguars, you know, being on a national stage, you know, for the first time in, in, you know, a long time, um, outside of the Thursday night game. So, uh, glad to be able to see that. And, you know, it's, uh, going to be a new era here in you know the AFC South here in the NFL is uh right now Jaguars are going to be the kings of the south and I think they're going to be kings of the south for a very long time definitely agree on that one because you're outside of the, your GM who's a bum uh, uh the fact is you have a coach you have the quarterback and you have a lot of pieces that uh, are building blocks and you have Calvin Ridley coming back, which the guy was one of the best wide receivers in the league when he was playing. So now he's had time off. It'll take him a little time to readjust, get back into the flow of things. But to add him to that receiver core uh, is scary when, when you have a guy who can throw all the, make all the passes that Trevor Lawrence can make. You're going to say something with the fact that you have the Colts and the Texans in your division. They are going to be awful forever. Yeah. The Colts have went off the, went off the deep end. It's almost like uh, Jim Irsay is trying to follow his dad. I mean, he just needs the Mayflower truck and to drive it into, into the, into the river. And it would be the perfect way to go and talk about what the Indianapolis Colts have done to themselves since Andrew Luck retired. Uh, Tennessee is not really, uh, yeah, not really not much really anything. They don't have Nick Willis can't throw the football. He's incapable of it. It's insane. Well, yeah. I mean, not only that, but yeah, not only that, but I mean, Ryan Tannehill's, you know, you can only go so far with him and, you know, you can only hand off to, uh, Derek Henry so many times. And, you know, he, I mean, he had another hundred yard game, but you know, it also took him 30 carries to do it. So he wasn't really effective. And I mean, you saw, he was able to break a couple of runs here and there, but for the most part, you know, the Jaguars were um, tackling him at the line of scrimmage or keeping him to, you know, two to three yard gains. I mean, he's still pretty tough to bring down, but just, um, you know, he's able to go out and, um, get all those carries and you don't know how long it's going to last because yeah. you know, average lifespan of a NFL running back, you know, might catch up to him here pretty soon. You know, maybe it's not going to last forever with him. Shelf life on a running back. Uh, sorry. Just imagine drafting Malik Willis over Brock Purdy. Just know that they, they screwed up that bad. Well, oh, yeah. well, every team screwed up. Let's <laughs> be fair. Other than the 49ers. Um, but I do, my theory, my theory is there were a lot of teams looking at him if he had slipped out of the draft and they were going to sign him yeah. for the practice squad. 
um, because there it, obviously there's interest, and it, the Niners wouldn't have kept him on the active roster if they didn't think that there was interest, because they would have left him theoretically on the practice squad. Um, but I guess I mean when you're talking about quarterbacks. The Niners have had similar, like after the last Super Bowl, they had a good run for a few years. And then Steve Young, who's my favorite player ever, gets killed by Aeneas Williams on Monday Night Football. And that basically was the end. Um, And then they sucked for a few years. They came back with Jeff Garcia and Team Obliterator and all some of these other people. Then they went went into dumpster fire mode for better part of a the better part of uh, that next that decade uh, built a lot of pieces, got a lot of great players. Um, Patrick Willis were able to pick up there um, in that time. We were able to get some guys from outside like Justin Smith and build things. And then they got Harbaugh. And once Jim Harbaugh came in, it's like a switch turned on. And for three, three, four or three years, the Niners were a factor. And Cap was there. He drafted Cap, and he believed in him. And the Niners were a play away from winning a Super Bowl um, after the lights went out and all that. And Baltimore wants to cry about it. The reality is they need a uh, they needed help from all the refs because Bashadi paid them off anyway. So um, <laughs> same way as same way as they do in these games. I when they said I forget what they said yesterday during the game, the Cincinnati game. They're like, oh, Baltimore is one of the least penalized teams in the league. No shit. You, who do you think cuts the biggest checks in, in, to 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 Roger Goodell? It's Steve Bishotti. And who else is? L- uh, what is it? Clark Hunt. So it makes sense, don't it? Uh, but in, who doesn't get any calls? Oh, I know. They're, 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 it matches this color. And there's gold on their in uniforms, too. Uh, but speaking of that team, Nate held on or did what they had to do uh, yesterday afternoon knocks off the Arizona Cardinals, sends Cliff Kingsbury and all of his hair products to TV or to a eventual college job. And um, they are going to have a matchup against the Seahawks for a third time this year. Last time they played them, they went into Seattle once a place that was absolute uh, scary scenario. And I think 2019, in that last game, when Dre Greenlaw made that stop, something, I mean, it may have been the year before, because they beat him the year before, and they were trashed with Nick Mullins. Um, and Kyle Shanahan I think, figured something out, Philip. I really think that the biggest thing that happened is, you know, while Jim Harbaugh never figured out that beast, I think Kyle Shanahan figured out Pete Carroll. And I yeah. think that it helps that their roster isn't as good as it's been. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, that when you continue to play the same cover three every single year and your talent isn't getting any better, minus, you know, of course, Tariq Woolen and, and, you know, Diggs is, you know, they're decent football players, right? But, like, Richard Sherman's never walking through that door again. No. You know, Cam Chancellor never walking through that door. Earl Thomas, like, those guys are never coming back, right? Right. And so yeah. Al Shanahan has figured out how to exploit them and he's shown it now multiple times. They've really just taken it to him, taken him to a woodshed twice this year, once with a rookie quarterback and like what his second start of his career. Yep. And they should have blown him out even worse. There was a uh there was a there was a bad call on Bosa that brought back a an interception touchdown or a fumble touchdown or something like that. And then they got a garbage time touchdown when the Niners were like, okay, we're just going to play prevent to get the f- out of here, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, 
Seattle is so insignificant. I, I texted a lot of people. Um, I don't know how many people know, but I used to live in Seattle. I lived there for four years. I worked in sports radio there. And so I know oh, wow. a lot of radio hosts out there. And so as soon as it became official that it was Seattle, I texted almost everyone I know. And I said, how do you feel about this game? And everyone's like, we're not going to win. And I'm like, yeah, you're not going to win, you insignificant peons. Like, you have no chance against us. And it's funny because, like, Seattle fans are so weird. They're like, oh, we're just happy to be here. It's like, you don't want to win? Like, you don't care about winning? Like, you want to lose to the 49ers a third time this year? They're the same fans that talk. They're like, oh, we're the biggest fan base. We're the 12s and all that. They stole that from A&M. But the fact is, they, oh, we're the biggest fan base. They feed the sound into the stadium, all this crap. And they want to talk about how they're legit fan base. The Niners fan base is, you know, when we want to really talk about America's team, there's two teams that I can think of. Pittsburgh Steelers, number one, and the 49ers. Not those frauds in 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 Frisco. You're you're forgetting about a third team that's America's team, and that's Jacksonville. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they're working on it. I mean, there are plenty of ladies that love Trevor Lawrence's hair. You, you can't so. tell me after watching that national anthem with all the American flags and all that, and the guy at the field that that's not America's team. Okay. <laughs> no, Josh, I love being reminded of the fact that your fans wore clown costumes to the final yeah. of the year last yeah. year where he you did. made Carson he Wentz look like a little girl. And then he, this he did too. <laughs> this uh, year. Well, no, I wasn't at that game last year. But yeah. I that just think it's okay. hilarious. Is that, if that's yeah. not the epitome of what Jacksonville football is, I can't think of anything better in my life than that. The fact that last year there were clown costumes in their final game. And this oh, year no, I mean, yeah, I mean, we got some, we got some great fans and I mean, like, 2017 like the home game against the titans like um a bunch of fans at the at the tailgate like jumped in a pool of mayonnaise because um i guess like apparently there's this like photo out there of um like a, a tennessee titans fan just like gobbing up mayonnaise by the hand or something like that and so they're well, just it's like it's like a, a inside joke or meme or something in the jags fan community and so that one tailgate they just jumped in mayonnaise <laughs> Okay. That's, I mean, I, yeah, that and the Buffalo Bills fans jumping through tables. I mean, the well, AFC that, is yeah. just different, Philip. They're just different out there in the AFC. Yeah. The Cincinnati Bengals fans, they all are, are on K. Adams. You know, there's there's the Chiefs fans, which are whatever. Uh, the the, the fact have nothing that, to worry about because every year they're going to win that division for the rest yeah. of time. Attorney, as long as Andrew Ryad and uh, Kermit the Frog are there, I don't think they ever have to worry about losing anything uh that's the fact part that he of lost it Tyreek Hill and that that team is still the number one seed is is it's absolutely amazing there should be an asterisk on that but at least there will be a neutral site <laughs> uh AFC championship game if it works out that way so yeah. we'll that that'll be the uh segue to the games uh the first game of course we kind of talked about it there uh yeah. Nate got into it with Seattle and the Niners uh I'm sure that the NFL wanted a certain team to get there with a certain ayahuasca drinking and smoking quarterback, but he um, couldn't beat the Detroit Lions last night. So the Niners are going to start the playoffs on Saturday against Seattle. Uh, one o'clock game on the West Coast, so it's actually a fair, it'll just be a short week, but fair for both teams. And um, I mean, you don't I mean, have to ask. It's so yeah. wild that this game. So the, here's the thing is like, how often is the two seed play the first game of the playoffs? Because I've never seen that before. No. And it just goes to show you that like outside of Seattle, 
This game and San Francisco, obviously. This game's getting no ratings. The Seattle Seahawks, the Niners are minus 10 at home against a team that is a playoff team. Like, how often is that happening? And then you look over in Buffalo, they're the first game on Sunday, and they're minus 10.5. And it's just like, okay, so the NFL is either mad that the Seahawks and the Dolphins got in, or they realize that these games are going to be such ass whoopings that... There's no point in even putting them in a time where people can watch them outside of the Pacific time zone. Yeah, I think, but this is what I, I was going to make mention, that the 4.30 Saturday slot was always the AFC South slot, mainly when the Houston Texans would win the division. So I'm like, oh yeah, Jacksonville and the Chargers will be there because, but they'll screw, but they don't want to screw the Chargers over because they'd be coming from the West Coast. So in the end, they moved them to the 8 o'clock game for the intrigue because of two of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, and, and the fact is, yeah. yeah one I, of the I dumbest head coaches in the NFL, Philip. Oh, yeah, no. He's, they, he's an idiot. The Chargers head coach is the dumbest man on the planet. I was saying he's this to my head. buddy. He, I was saying this to one of my buddies who's a diehard. He's, he's like a mentor to me. He's a journalist, whatever. He was in Buffalo. And he, I told him, I'm like, if the guy was, I, I, it's, it's wrong to say this. I'm, I, I, but we get controversial here on this show. They fired coaches if they're a person of color for some of the calls that he's made over his two years as a head coach. He is in, he is atrocious. And it's not just that, but the fact is, the Spanoses are one of the shittiest ownership groups in sports too. So you add those two things together, they don't deserve to have. Uh, have um, why am I for blanking now? Um, they're Justin Herbert. They don't Justin deserve Herbert, to have man. him. They do not deserve to have him, but they do. So, um, I mean, I think everybody is in agreement on the first game. Uh, we're pretty sure that you know Purdy can um, in his first playoff start kind of continue the mode, uh, get CMC going, and now the balance between him and Debo which is something we weren't able to see uh, due to the injuries. Now those two guys together, plus I, plus GK, all the all those pieces on offense. And then, of course, the defense. I mean, what I, the defensive player of the year um, and uh, one of the best. And now Greenlaw is going to be back, it looks like. So you'll have the combination, him and Fred Warner, the great uh, combo, reminds me of the days of uh Bowman and or Willis and Bowman Willis was my favorite defensive player ever and um there's a lot of vibes with that Mooney Ward's going to be playing uh DK Metcalf and he obviously got red ass from the last time Mooney Ward was covering him so can only imagine what's going to happen this time uh Hufunga Hufunga hits like Troy Polamalu Jr so he's probably going to take somebody's head off uh it's going to be entertaining for Niners fans, uh, the oh, Jackson yeah. Niners fans, it'll be a blast because they're just going to yeah. I think they're honestly just going to destroy these guys. I think that they're gonna, it's one of those things. And I think someone was in on Twitter the other day saying, you know, oh, well, it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. Well, I, statistically, it's not statistically. It happens more than it doesn't happen. And I think last year when you talk about the Rams, that's a very yeah. different thing. The first the second time the Niners played the Rams, they were down 17 and nothing. And they barely won that game. They mm -hmm. played them a third time at home back in L.A., the Rams are coming off a huge comeback win. I mean, that game was set up for disappointment for the 49ers. This is not. This is a yeah. Seahawks team that barely squeaked in the playoffs, is playing Geno Smith at quarterback, and a defense that can't stop the run. If the 49ers lose 
this game, it's the worst loss in 49ers history because this team is so insuperior to the 49ers, it's not even funny. Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's been bad losses for all these 30 years. I've been a, a fan <laughs> of the 49ers, uh, but uh, yeah, it really shouldn't be much of a contest there. Uh, but we'll see. It's the playoffs. You never know. And um, seeing Pete Carroll lose just makes me happy, too. I, I don't know why, but it just does because he's a dick. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the uh, Chargers, who also have a genius head coach. Uh, I mean, they fired what's-his-name, the guy – He's our our offensive coordinator now too. That's what's funny about it. Anthony Lynn. Former, Anthony Lynn is the offensive court the offensive coordinator for the 49ers, running backs coach. And um I don't think he seems that bad these days. Uh but uh I think it's because of the f- who he's working with and for and an actual franchise. But that is a good game to be fair. Should be tight. I think Trevor Lawrence is he was on a on a heater there for about a month, six weeks. That was what I was able to ride into the playoffs and take that ride with him. Uh, then he cooled off, and it probably effed me over. But it's not. He still got in the playoffs, and um, now you have a test here against a, an interesting Chargers team. But the reality of the world is, you know, you're home. You're going to be there. I figure it's going to be a, a nut house, and will Justin Herbert be able to execute to his weapons like he has all year? Austin Eckler, will he be able to run the ball? What are you thinking in regards to that? I mean, your defense has been playing great the last few weeks, Josh. No, yeah, I mean, we've been playing great the last few weeks, but I mean, we've been also playing against the, the Texans, the Jets, uh, and the Titans. Um, and you know, in between those games, uh, we had the uh, the Cowboys. Who, I mean, we got turnovers and got sacks against Dak Prescott and everything. But same time, I mean, he was able to dot us up in the first half of that game uh, and the first half, or you know, late in that Cowboys game. And the reason why I bring that up is because, well, uh, Justin Herbert. I mean, I think you know the the Los Angeles Chargers. They're a really good uh, passing attack. Um, on offense and you know they've been able to you know move the ball pretty well throughout the year um, you know when they, when they're healthy and you know they had a period where they weren't so healthy and you know the first game that they played against the Jaguars um, they had some injuries and stuff you know with uh, Keenan Allen I think was out in that game Mike Williams um, wasn't really effective uh, in that game Justin Herbert himself you know he that was the game coming off of the Thursday night game against Kansas City where he had the, uh, the rib injuries and all that stuff uh, so just looking at that alone, um, it's not going to be the same as the the first matchup because I think they're a little bit healthier. Um, Mike Williams, of course, coming off a injury or back spasms or whatever, so not really sure how it's going to be for him. But in uh, this playoff matchup here, it's it's going to be interesting um, because the you know the Jaguars um, they've been able to be good defensively against the teams that they should beat, but they've also been pretty leaky at times this year. So um, be interested to see uh, how the Chargers can take advantage of uh, the Jaguars matchups um, and, you know, how they're able to take advantage of some of the issues that they had in coverage. And um, if they're able to protect Justin Herbert, um, they might be able to uh, be able to do that. Cause I think, you know, when the Jaguars, when they have been able to get pressure uh, or affect the quarterback, you know, they just haven't, um, been able to play as well defensively. So um, I think that's going to be key there is, you know, the ability of Josh Allen 
uh, you know, the good Josh Allen, by the way, and Trayvon Walker uh, to go out and um, r- rush the passer. Arden Key as well, of course. You guys had him, you know, last year in for, uh, San Francisco, so he's been pretty effective for uh, for us this year. Um, you know, the linebackers, you know, Foye Aluakon's been very good. Uh, Devin Lloyd, you know, had a bit of a rookie struggle in the middle of the season, but you know, he's starting to play well again. So I think those. You know, players are going to be key, and then you know, Rayshon Jenkins and uh, Tyson Campbell on the back end. I think, and Andre Cisco as well. I think those guys are going to be key um, in the secondary. So, you know, defensively, it's going to be an interesting matchup there. And then, you know, on Jaguars on offense, um, you know, they've been you know pretty good overall. I think, but you know, I think the uh, LA Chargers they've they've had a good passing offense or defense as well. So uh, it's going to be a tough matchup there. But they also have a uh, not as good run defense, I think. So I think if they're able to get Travis Etienne going uh, a lot more, and you know, even the Jamichael Hasty and uh, Snoop Connor maybe working some Trevor Lawrence uh, read options or anything like that, uh, zone reads. I, I think um, rushing attack might be the way to go uh, here. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. But um, you know, I think it's it's going to come down to you know um, the pass rush. I think for Jacksonville, and then I think on offense to limit the term, uh, turnovers because. Um, interceptions have not really been an issue for Trevor Lawrence this year, but fumbling has. So I think, you know, if he's able to protect the football and not fumble, uh, whether that's, you know, in being in the pocket passing or um, handing it off uh, to another running back, I think that's uh, or wide receiver, they do a reverse. So, you know, I think that's going to be a a key there. And then also for the running backs themselves, because Travis Etienne has also had issues fumbling, um, getting hit and everything throughout the year. So I think that's going to be important um, if, if they can protect the football there too. So just, it, yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup. And I, you know, I think across all the matchups this weekend, I think the Chargers and the Jaguars is probably going to be the uh, best one out of them because I think you have two teams who are very similar and, you know, it's, there's not as much disparity as like you guys were talking about with the Seahawks and the 49ers, the, you know, the Bills and, and, uh, the Dolphins. And, um, I mean, even the, the Ravens and the Bengals, I think that's not going to be as close. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson's injured and everything. The Ravens have just not been effective overall this year. So, you know, I think that's not going to be a real good matchup. So, um, you know, on, at least on the AFC side, you know, and plus you guys and the Seahawks, I mean, uh, you know, I think the Jaguars have the potential to have the best matchup, you know, TV wise, at least this, uh, you know, this weekend. So it's going to be interesting. Of course, I'll be there. Uh, my brother, who's a Chargers fan, cause we used to live in San Diego for a couple of years. Uh, he'll be there with me. So, um, should be an interesting game and, you know, be excited to watch it and everything. So um, hopefully a Jaguars win. Um, be an awkward car ride either way, I think, on the way home. So we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, excited and, you know, um, glad to have playoff football back in Jacksonville for sure. Yeah, it must, yeah, that'll be interesting for sure. I was worried about that last week. We talked about that on the show, that if it had went sideways, I wasn't sure if you were going to be able, you were going to show up. Uh but uh, it didn't, so you're good. And uh, I, I mean, the reality is it should be a good game. I do agree. Um, and we'll see what happens with that. We'll talk about it on episode 152. So Buffalo and Miami, we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. It's not going to be Dan Marino. We know that. Um, or Bob Greasy. Uh, is it? Are they going to put Tua Tonga Vailoa and his scrambled eggs out there 
Are they going to put Teddy Bridgewater with four fingers out there? Are they going to put Skylar Thompson, who led that amazing? Um, I mean, let's to be honest, the Jets defense is really good, um, but the Jets offense is atrocious. Um, the fact is that was a they've been a dumpster fire ever since Tua got hurt again. And um, the notion is Miami, I mean, Miami beat Buffalo in Miami early in the season in a shootout. The second game in Buffalo, Tua was also playing. It was a close game. If Tua plays, don't really know that that it could be a close one. Uh, If he doesn't play, I have a very hard time believing that they will be in that contest. Uh, Do you guys have anything else that you see that may stand out in regards to it. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, if Tua doesn't play, it's done. Like they have to have Tua Tagovailoa play. Like they they have not shown that they're able to win against actual good teams without Tua. And, and whether or not Tua is a good quarterback or not, it's just he works better in that system. Uh, my thing is, and I guess the one thing I'll say, and this is the same thing for the Ravens that we'll, you'll talk about, is if the quarterback isn't healthy enough and he's going to affect his life in any long term way by playing football on Sunday don't do it just don't do it because it's not worth it like it's just one playoff game you're going to get plenty of games in your career maybe two or not so much i don't know what's going to happen with him there's some scary stuff going on with him but yeah uh, if he doesn't play though they're screwed yeah josh no yeah i mean i agree too like i think you know especially for tua i think you know he's got to protect his long-term health um you know i mean lamar jackson's um got to protect his health either but or two but i think um to a you know with the concussions and everything there's there's just a lot of risk and he's already had uh you know three concussions now this season which you know i think is abnormal oh, for a quarterback to to have so you know i think um from that standpoint alone i think you know you should just shut him down for the year and you know just take the l um you know i think the goal for a team every year is to at least, I mean, they say to make the Super Bowl, but um, really what keeps them going is to um, make the playoffs and be competitive. And, you know, they were able to be competitive for the most part this year and they made the playoffs. So, um, you know, they achieved their goal. I mean, they're going to lose big time on Sunday to the Bills. Uh, so, I mean, bet on that if you want. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, that I think the Bills are um, going to be a lot better team. I think the Dolphins, you know, without Tua, it's just not going to be a, a good matchup um, overall, even with, you know, the weapons that they have with Jalen Waddle and, you know, with uh, Tyreek uh, Tyreek Hill. And, you know, and the 49ers Hill. running backs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, they're, they're the, trying to become 49ers of, the, of South East. Florida. East, yeah. I guess. East, South Florida, whatever. But, you know, uh, and I like Mike McDaniel. He's got that. It, he somehow like got the energy of both a Chad and a dork at the same time, and it's so funny. So, um, you know, I think uh, he's going to be there for a long time, and I like him as a coach. But just in this game alone, I think they're just not going to be able to match up against the, the Bills that well. So, yeah, it's that's um, pretty much going to be a, a blowout game, I think. Yeah, I mean, for McDaniel to go and get him after all the craziness from and the collusion and the tampering that the Miami Dolphins did, uh, getting rid of Brian Flores to now um, get back in the playoffs without really having a quarterback for decent for a few games a season. Um, Credit to him on that. We'll see what they're going to do. There's a lot of questions. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. Of course, there's other questions with a certain um, GOAT quarterback that those two might be in play for Miami too. So something we'll see after the season. 
the next game is an interesting one. The Vikings have kind of been uh, playing with fire all year. Uh, most of their games have come down to last second victories. The game against the Giants was no different. Uh, they needed Greg Joseph to kick a 61 yarder uh, to win. Uh, they said here it's the first time they've had a playoff game in Minnesota since the Minneapolis miracle. And um, I was there in at home and then I was there somehow or another just through sheer luck and whatever when the Patriots and uh, Eagles were able to be there a few weeks later. Um, the fact is, uh, many the the mini Minnesota Vikings have a new coach O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell. Uh, they've been able to kind of do it with smoke and mirrors. Yes, Justin Jefferson is is one of the best players in the league. I get it. Uh, Dalvin Cook, when he can stay upright, is one of the better running backs in the league. Um, Kirk Cousins is is Kirk Cousins. Uh I, I don't know how I mean he, he literally is like toast. I, I think he literally is like like dry toast with with bad butter on it. Like I don't know what you really think at the end of the day, does anybody really think that isn't a Minnesota Vikings fan that they're gonna win They'll win this game. Okay, fine. I think the Giants are going to have a lot of fight. Yesterday, they played Davis Webb, whoever he is, and he almost came back against the first string Philadelphia Eagles when they had five guys that used to work at Caldor and Bradley's as an offensive line, and then some running back that was probably in the USFL last year, and then they still almost came back against the number one seed in the NFC. Um, and, uh, I think that says more about the Eagles than anything, to be honest with you. You know, less, I, I've, been, yeah. I've been on Twitter calling them the cupcakes because, um, I think they are the Philadelphia cupcakes. They haven't played anybody. Uh, Jalen Hurts rarely throws for more than 300 yards a game. Uh, if you stop their run, they're pretty one dimensional and their defense, while it has a decent pass rush and has some, you know, decent players on defense, they can't stop anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. You're allowing Davis Webb to score a touchdown to Kenny Galladay, who hasn't played a game all year. Davis Webb was a Cal Bears quarterback who wasn't very good. I think he's the, he's their third string backup. And Darius Slay is allowing Kenny Galladay, who hasn't played all year, to score a touchdown on him. I mean, if anything, this speaks... I think the, I think the Giants are scrappy, and I think they're going to beat the Vikings personally. But I think that this speaks so much about the Eagles and how they are the Philadelphia Cupcakes and... They, if they play the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, those fans will be walking out of the stands just like they did last year, week two, when we embarrassed them out of the building. I just don't think the Eagles are that good. I, I really think that this is the 49ers division to, this is the 49ers NFC to lose. And I think that the Giants kind of exposed the Eagles a little bit in a game they had to win. They rushed yeah. Jalen Hurts back. And and some Eagle fans were like, oh, well, we didn't run Jalen Hurts. There's clearly highlights of Jalen Hurts running the ball in that game yesterday. So yeah. I don't know what your excuse is for your first string defense and offense and quarterback who was runner up to Mahomes for MVP, only scoring 22 points on a bunch of backups. But it is a terrible look for the Eagles. I know we're not talking about the Eagles, but golly, I can't wait to see them get exposed in the playoffs. It's going to be yeah. so fun. And the Minnesota Vikings are another team, uh, a team we're going to talk about here next, or no, in a couple of teams we're going to, or a couple of games we're going to talk about another team that was exposed pretty uh, badly 
uh, yesterday. Um, you know, well, I, I honestly think the Giants, I agree, the Giants have a chance, a good chance to go to Minnesota and win that game. They were in that game. They were they played a really good one. They are playing with, you know, wide receivers that nobody's heard of. They have Saquon out there. If they can control the time of possession. Daniel Jones doesn't turn the ball over, which he's this is the best year he's had in his career. That way, Brian Dable. Uh, that whole Buffalo regime coming down to uh, New Jersey to take over the Giants, they've done a really good job. And, uh, and the defense is, is, is tough, too. Uh, so they, it's, they're playing with house money, to be honest. Yeah. If they lose, it's not that big of a deal in their mind because they have so much talent and they have a lot of capital. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is a guy that's going to build and get better. Uh, there are other pieces. Julian Love, who's a, one of the better safeties, um, tackling machines in, in the league. So to be fair, they're playing with house money. The Minnesota Vikings are working. There's a lot of momentum working against them. And uh, and it's something that I don't know how they're going to fade it. Um, They could fade it one time. Uh, but the last time they went to Santa Clara, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, only threw the ball 11 times. Uh, and they had... I, I think they had Mostert and Wilson at running back. Now the Niners have Mr. Relevant and Christian McCaffrey. Good luck. Uh, yeah, if if that happens again. Chance. Yeah. So the Vikings don't stand a chance that they play the 49ers. A, a friend of mine, Jesse Naylor said to me, the 49ers might actually have the easiest path to the NFC championship I've ever seen in my entire life. They play the Seahawks who shouldn't even be there. And they play the Vikings who, I mean, they are the most paper tiger football team i've ever seen because if you stop jefferson you can't do anything yeah, yeah. You can't do that's anything. their whole entire offense that's literally exactly. their whole entire offense you throw the ball that's what the raiders became for like two weeks well that was what the raiders did against the niners to wake them up was they that that idiot stidham threw every ball to Devonte adams and it's like <laughs> oh yeah you know one of the best players in the league is going to catch the ball most of the time if he can get his hands on it. Derek Carr did the same thing, but the problem was their offense is a disaster a disaster area. Their line sucks. Yes, you have a great running back that's going to make a decent amount of money on free agency, and you have Devontae Adams. They made Derek Carr the scapegoat for the fact that they're a shitty franchise, but that's that's a, beside the point. Uh, the The... The Sunday night football game, not surprised about that. I figured that would be the one. Uh, Joe Burrow, the third of the big three in the AFC quarterbacks, the AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals, will be hosting the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, will Lamar Jackson play? Will Tyler Huntley play? I'm I'm pretty much, I'm thinking they do not want to play whoever the hell that guy was yesterday, but he didn't, he wasn't god-awful, but, you know, he... He put he up some sort of twice in his own end zone almost. Like the, the Bengals weren't even that really that impressive like, in that game, to be honest with you, because I think that they should have blown out that team way worse on offense. But the Ravens, you know, came to play a little bit. That guy was it wasn't dog, wasn't dog dude, right? But he wasn't yeah. good either. Yeah. 
if, if Lamar plays, this could get a little dicey. I know Lamar's coming off of five weeks of not playing, but Lamar Jackson is special. He's unbelievable. And I think that he if there's any guy who can come in and just give the Bengals hell, it's him. And I'd love to see it just because the Bengal fans, I don't know if you noticed, are very cocky because they mm. beat the Chiefs and they they you know were thinking they were gonna beat the Bills before that disaster happened. And yeah. so, you know, I'd like to see the Bengals just get a little bit you know, just a little lower. Just, like, not be so cocky all the time. I understand you have Joe Burrow, and he's very good, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he does, yeah. and he's got the whole Joe Cool exterior and the cigar smoking and all that stuff. So he's got, he's Mr. Ohio. So at the end of the day, it's kind of, he's got the similar vibe to Trevor yeah. in Jacksonville. He fits there. Josh oh. Allen fits in Buffalo. Joe Burrow definitely fits in Ohio, and the fact that the Cleveland Browns are are, are, are a disaster, it makes Cincinnati even better. Now, the funny part is going to be when Mike Brown doesn't pay him, and then he goes somewhere else, and then the the team goes to goes into oblivion. That's when then the whole that stadium will not last. They'll probably knock it down if they don't sign him back because they'll have to give him three hundred fifty million dollars. But yeah, what do you think of Josh in regard to this? I mean, Cincinnati defending AFC champions. They didn't. To be honest, I get I get what Nate's saying. I do agree, and I I paid the price for it. The, the productivity of Cincinnati late in the season really wasn't there. Um, they, I mean, Burrow did his thing to get them in that position. Uh, and it looked like he was in a good position prior to the untimely events last Monday night. Um, but I mean, Baltimore is really, it's really about Lamar. If he doesn't show, if he's not there, how are they really going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, their they, their defense has holes, especially in the in the secondary. They have good safeties, but their corners aren't good. One of them's Eli Apple. That kind of is part of it. But then you know they have linebacker play, good linebacker play, defensive line, two good ends. The reality is that front seven is good. You know Baltimore is a run first team. Greg Roman's imaginative offense. Um, another guy I don't like. Um, because I get PTSD from some of those games during the Harbaugh era um, and his obsession with Michael Crabtree. Uh, but, you know, what are they going to do? I, I mean, if, if they don't have Lamar Jackson, let's just say that they do. Now, it, we'll just put it as a hypothetical. If they do have him there, Nate, I think, is onto something that it should be a closer contest. Uh, even though they don't, they get wide receivers from Walmart and and running backs. They draft running backs and they get wide receivers from Walmart. But the notion is he may not play because he's going to be a free agent. And Baltimore is already putting things out in the media saying he's lazy. So it's like, okay, you don't want the guy. Who are you going to get? You're going to play Tyler Huntley. Let's see if he's if Tyler Huntley goes out there. I mean, stranger things have happened in the playoffs. But I have a hard time believing that. Burrow's going to lose at home on Sunday night football against a division rival after, um, you know, they they almost got into a coin flip situation with them. But I don't know. What are you thinking? I mean, no, I agree with you. And, you know, I think really the key is, is you know, I, I think Lamar is going to play. I I think it, it it's hard not to play him. I think he's going to want to play in, in the playoff game. Um, yeah, there is the situation with his contract um, and everything because they haven't locked him up. Right. And he's basically betting on himself. And so I think he might want to uh, play in this playoff game because it, you know, it, it would be good for him, you know, 
minus the injury risk, it's good for him because uh, the contract, it, would, it might put more leverage in his favor uh, in the contract side. But, you know, on the, the football side of things, um, you know, I think for Lamar, I think the key is um, to keep him contained in the pocket and make him be a passer. And I think, you know, over the years since he uh, came on to the league, you know, that's kind of been the formula to stopping him. And you know, he's been really um i mean he's improved yeah as a passer but you know i still think um you know to make make him be a passer you know you got to contain him in the pocket and make tight window throws uh for him uh that he has to make um and really test him uh as a you know accurate throw of the ball and you know keep i don't know keep the middle of the field uh close and you know keep the sidelines close and make it really tough for him to uh really move the ball and you know they don't really have a whole lot of weapons, like you said. I mean, I mean, the only real uh, offensive, you know, pass catching weapon that they have is Mark Andrews. Andrews. Um, you know, they they've got some t- good tight ends there, but you know, and and Andrews as well. But you know, they don't really have any real wide receivers, like you said. And um, you know, pretty much their their whole thing is designed against you know as the running you know running game, and you know that's their whole formula. You know, with Lamar's to. Um, be a running football team, which I, you know, I, I don't mind. I mean, I like running the football better than passing, but, um, you know, I think, you know, the way that his playing style is, you know, the way you got to stop them is to, you know, stop the runs. So, um, I mean, I, I think the Bengals, I mean, I haven't really seen too much of them, you know, this season. So I, mean, I can't really like tell you, you know, honestly, like how they are as a defense, but, um, you know, offensively, I think, um, you know, they're going to be a, a better team, than than the Bengals and I think you know I think that's what you got to do to uh, win this game and you know the Bengals or the Ravens sorry they've had a lot of issues on defense especially when games are close you know we saw it with the Jaguars week 12 and Trevor Lawrence comeback victory there and um, you know they they were pretty soft on defense in that game and you know they've had many defensive breakdowns uh, throughout the entire season so um, you know if they have a close game like this again um, I don't think the Ravens really uh, have the you know the ability to, based on what we've seen throughout the year, to uh, stop Joe Burrow if it comes to that situation. And I mean, I think it'll be a close game. Like it'll have the feeling of a close game, but I think in the end, uh, it'll probably be um, you know at least a, a ten point victory uh, for the Bengals. Yeah, and the thing is, what is it? Last year, Burrow was just throwing darts. Him and Chase were playing. Uh, a two ball and he was just throwing to him one-on-one double coverage and generally he struggles against the Baltimore Ravens or he has over his career but if the wide receivers are able to get the room which they had to a point yesterday and Hayden Hurst looked like it was easy uh what he was doing now of course they weren't playing full out but I I think the loss of Wink Martindale people don't look at that but you look at how the Giants are playing on defense and you see some of the issues they've had on defense this year. The Wink Martindale loss has played a big role too in why Baltimore is kind of where they are, but they still made the playoffs. Uh, the last one, of course, which is uh, yeah, the freaking Cowgirls and the Buccaneers, the Niners, there's probably the one of either that winner or Minnesota will come to Santa Clara uh, more than likely in the second week. Um, Dak Prescott looked like gar- steaming hot garbage yesterday against the Washington General Redskin Commanders, and then um, they let Sam Howell go r- run roughshod on them. Uh, they had no running backs, 
Washington. They were just strictly doing, I think they were running the run and shoot or some semblance of one, and they couldn't stop it. They lost to a third string quarterback. I mean, it's funny. I keep on, we keep on mentioning third string quarterbacks, but the Niners have a third string quarterback, but I guess theirs is just way better or the coaching is way better because the third string quarterback is able, but it also helps this whole Shanahan Lynch regime, the amount of injuries at the quarterback position. I think they finally figured out, Oh, we need three of them Um, and maybe four. So it's like, okay, we'll be prepared. But in terms of what happened to Dallas, they were, they were God awful yesterday. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't bother to play really. And hence the Atlanta Falcons were able to win. Arthur Smith is a terrible coach. Uh, I don't know. He really <laughs> ought to not be employed. Um, he should go back to Tennessee where he belongs with, with Mike Vrabel. Um, I, I do mean, think Ritter, like, Ritter has a chance teams, to be good. Both of these teams are pretty terrible. Like in oh, the yeah. grand scheme of things, like Tampa, do you remember when Brock Purdy, his first start, just murdered Tampa for like three mm-hmm. quarters to the point where they stopped playing? Yeah. I mean, Dallas literally just lost to the Washington Commanders who the 49ers absolutely trounced. And it was in a game where like, Dallas had something to play for, right? Dallas was not just be like, okay, let's just kind of sleepwalk through a game. If they won that game and the Eagles lost, they won the division and the Philadelphia Eagles would have to go there at some point. It's just like, I don't know what's going on with the NFC, man. Like these teams are just not good. And this game is, you know, probably the closest game, but it's also the two worst teams, I think, in the whole entire playoffs. I mean, maybe Seattle, obviously, but like, this is these two teams are both awful. The only reason that I think the Bucks might win is because Tom Brady, for some reason, always finds a way to le- win at least one playoff game. Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking, Josh? I mean, I, I agree that the GOAT somehow backdoored away into the playoffs yet again. Uh, the notion is we don't know what's going on, where he's going to go. I have a hard time believing he'll have a better situation offensively in terms of skill position players because of the amount of running backs they're able to get. And then you have two great wide receivers. I don't think you're going to find two great wide receivers at a whole many other stops. Um, Maybe Miami, of course, but you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I mean, Dallas, the the thing with them is Dak Prescott turning the ball over. Uh, If, if he does, if he keeps on doing that, they ain't winning the game anyway. Uh, But Tampa Bay has been really awful at times this year, too. Um, it's the whole box office aspect of all the people who think Cowboys are worth watching um, and Jerry Jones and his stupid racist being. And then the fact that um, Tampa Bay as a goat um, is why they're on Monday Night Football. But they, they it's like sounds like a one and done situation for whoever wins that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean, it's going to be an interesting matchup. And I mean, there's a lot of things that could could happen. And you know, we go back to week one. Uh, Dak broke his thumb and was out until week seven, and then ended up being a, a blowout victory for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And um, you know, that was a not really exciting game to watch. I remember watching that game, and um, Tom Brady was just not really that good that entire game. And you know, they they just ended up. I mean, I don't really remember exactly how the game played out, but. Tom just wasn't his usual self that we're accustomed to seeing. And you, know, you could tell there that, you know, whatever it is, whether it's age finally ca- uh, catching up to him or just like, you know, the team beginning to fall apart in general, right? Because they basically built for a Super Bowl and a repeat run the last two years. And now, you know, things are starting to fall apart for them 
just um it's going to be a it's either going to be a blowout game or it's going to be a very tight game i think and um i mean it could be tight based on you know how the cowboys have played recently i mean of course they got destroyed by the washington commanders but i mean i also in the fact you know dak through uh interceptions in that game and you know like you said had to pick six and everything but um i mean you look at the games before that because i kind of don't count week 18 just because like um things you know it's kind of an anomaly week 18 and they didn't really have much to play for but uh you know the cowboys they've they've been pretty good overall um in most of their games this season and i mean even without dak prescott they were still able to go to a five and two record before he came back so um you know they they've been pretty good on defense when um you know when when things have gone their way and uh could see that happen here again on Monday night but you know Tom Brady's Tom Brady and like you said he always figures out a way to win and it's rare for him to you know go out on a one and done uh you know type playoff loss and you know we only seen that like once in the last several years of course you know the final game that he ended up playing for uh the new england patriots ended up being a one and done against the uh tennessee titans back in 2019 but um you know if if tom's you know not able to um get protected and he gets sacked a lot i mean it's gonna just be a really awful game for him and you know i could definitely see uh you know uh being a blowout for the cowboys but um you know the defensively the bucks you know they've been kind of up and down i think throughout the year and of course you know they had the big loss to you guys um you know earlier in the year uh to the the 49ers so um there's a lot of issues you know throughout um the buccaneers organization but i mean the last couple of weeks they've kind of you know started to look like their former selves you know mike evans and tom brady finally put it together two weeks ago and a lot of fantasy owners who uh faded evans throughout the year um Either they got destroyed or, you know, their faith was rewarded finally in Evans. So um, we'll see how that connection pairs well, uh, if, it, if it does pair well on, on Monday night. But um, it should be an interesting game um, and could be Tom Brady's final game ever as an NFL player. We'll see. Or if he decides to continue playing forever, like he has you know said numerous times. Uh, so it's going to be a interesting matchup and you know by the way tom brady had a, had a losing record as a quarterback this year yep. um and you know does he finish his career with a losing record or you know, is he able to at least win one more game and even it out a little bit so that's well, another exactly. keep in mind he would have to I'm keep on winning him. too yeah 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 that's true someone's gonna pay him to be their quarterback teams are way too desperate for quarterbacks there's too many teams that need quarterbacks for him not to go somewhere and play yeah he doesn't yeah. want to stop playing yeah. That's why he got divorced. He wants, and there's somebody who's going to break him off just for the fact that they know that they're going to get exactly. the box office aspect of it. Now, going on the other side of that is, of course, today is Black Monday, uh, where coaches get fired. Um, I'm the days of both of our teams uh, having something to do with Black Monday. Uh, those days, thankfully, are gone, I think, for both of our franchises. Um, but it isn't for the Houston Texans. Uh, Lovey Smith uh, went off script and won that game against the the horrendous Indianapolis Colts and lost the number one pick in the process. That's one. Cliff Kingsbury, I've mentioned multiple times, get got canned today. Uh, then you have the guys that were uh, let go uh, prior to uh, the the firings today. Uh, you have um, Nathaniel Hackett, who might have been one of the worst head coaches in the history of professional sports, 
But to be fair, I watched his dad coach, and I knew his dad sucked too. So I'm not really surprised. Um, <laughs> and to be fair, let's let's say let's say this: don't listen to quarterback MVP quarterbacks going and like upselling or or putting over their their coaches because Peyton the 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 what do you call the gun whatever I forget what the the general or whatever I forget what Peyton Manning was was called or what Gruden called him, but the he, sheriff. He, the sheriff, whatever, yeah, and they and he put over uh, who was that scary, that freaky eyed monster that that coached in Miami and then went to the Jets. Uh, he might have been one of the worst coaches in history of sports, and that was a, the reason he got two jobs was because of Peyton. Nathaniel Hackett will go back. You'll probably follow Aaron wherever he goes next, but he was a disaster. It helps that he had a poser at quarterback that got paid $250 million. Um, but you have Walmart money, so it doesn't really matter who they get. There's, It seems like there's a lot of people that are interested in that job. You also have the Carolina Panthers, who fired Matt Rule very early in the year, allowed him to go and get a college job and start that again. He's going to be about the 18th guy that has tried to come and make Nebraska relevant again. Let's see if that happens. Um, you know, uh, and then the other coaches, of course, it was Indianapolis, um, and uh, they don't have a quarterback. They haven't had a quarterback since Andrew Luck. So those are five. I guess what I'll put out to the panel is there other, do we see other ones that could possibly happen? Say the Washington general Redskin commanders or, you Why know, perhaps the coach right now. Yeah. Before he the plays Char- the Jaguars, honestly, like that guy's an idiot. Mike, yeah. Mike Williams might not get to play against the Jaguars because he is such an idiot playing them against the Denver Broncos when they literally couldn't move up or down by winning that game. Like, how stupid are you? Mike yeah. Williams is one of the most important players on your team, and he has an injury history too. Exactly, uh, and you didn't. Yeah, I mean that that is bad. That guy That's... should be fired right now before he plays the Jaguars. I don't know. I understand, like, he has to go play the Jaguars. They have to finish the season. But, like, when they lose to the Jaguars, that guy should get fired the next day. He won't. But Damn, because no. it's the Chargers. It is the Chargers. Uh, and that's why they are what they are. Yeah, that's why they're the they're the Jets of the L.A. in that in that building. The way that the Jets used to be at Giants Stadium. Uh, I think, yeah, that's a good call there with uh, whatever his name is. Um, Brandon Staley. Uh, Brandon Staley. Yeah, fuck him. He's another dumbass from uh, Sean McVay's tree. Um, Sean McVay he's sounds like, yeah, he's, he's going he's he to gonna rage quit. He's going to rage quit because he can't deal with the 84 year rebuild. That will yeah. be the LA Rams. Um, and, and I guess he also can't deal with the fact that more fans for the other team show up to his home stadium too, which I mean, that's really he not won the Super Bowl for them. He won the Super Bowl and the fans still don't go to the games. That's he made two Super Bowls. There's, there's more made... Georgia fans that flew from Georgia to come to the game in the Rams stadium than the fans who live in the same town <laughs> that the team plays in. How wild is that? Yeah, that's I remember crazy. those days. I remember those days for the Niners when we were in the dumps, but my God, it wasn't that egregious. Like even at Levi's, they could at least have a 50-50, even when the Niners got awful. In this case, the Rams can't 
neither team that plays in that stadium can get anybody to show up. But then that's the L.A. thing. They always justify it. The Dodgers have been good for God knows how many years. They can't get their fans to show up. But now that the the, the Lakers suck, they don't have to feel bad about it anymore. Uh, the Clippers the, don't have any fans? Yeah, well, the Clippers have never had any fans, to be fair, other than Penny Penny Mar- Penny Marshall and, and Billy Crystal. Other than those, yeah. that, I don't really remember any other people that has said, oh, man, I'm a I, I'm a L.A. Clippers fan. It's the same way as me going and copying to being a fan of the Knicks. I don't want anyone to know I'm a fan of the Knicks. It's embarrassing. Ever since the year 2000, how bad the Knicks have been and how bad Jim Dolan is as an owner. Oh, yeah, he owns the Great Western Forum, too, now. But And I think he was trying to sell that in part of the deal to go and build the uh, new arena. There's some deal. I'm forgetting who is connected. I think Balmer, or the guy who owns the LA Clippers, made a deal with Jim Dolan so he could go and build a stadium over there to get away from the Lakers. But that's beside the point. I think we mentioned two other coaches. I mean, Belichick this year definitely is one of the worst years of his illustrious coaching career. I don't think he's going to stop. He can't stop, really. Um, I think he's trying to groom... Steve to take over really if if uh um what's his name the owner um would allow that but uh is I mean is there anybody else that I mean I think Dallas but then Dallas should. is yeah Dallas I mean I mean they, they because Sean Payton's out there and Sean Payton I think Sean is going to I really think he's going to go to the Broncos. I think that that's a match made in heaven. I understand, like, we think Russell Wilson's kind of a fraud after this year, but I think that Sean Payton knows how to make a small quarterback work. And I think that with Russell Wilson, I think the thing that people never really understood is how much Pete Carroll did for him. Sean Payton will do everything for Russell Wilson. He will do every small thing for him. I think that that's a match made in heaven. If the Broncos lose out on Sean Payton, it's like the biggest bumble that an organization has made in a while because that's the perfect situation for Russell Wilson. Yeah, but they don't have any capital to give up for for Sean Payton because they've given away 86 draft picks of the Seattle Seahawks. Um, so Do they have to give the Saints picks for him? They have to give some sort of compensation because of Sean Payton under having contract. two more years under contract. So that's something to see. I think, I mean, I mentioned the Atlanta Falcons. They really ought to, but they won't. Uh, the I think I mean, the most, yeah, the, I mean, definitely Ron Rivera is going to get sent because it's they justify whatever. I mean, Ron Rivera, God love him. He's, he was a player. He played, and, and I think he won a Super Bowl somewhere along the line. And he's yeah, a great Chicago. man. And he's gone, yeah, for Chicago, and part of the 85 Bears. And he he's a great man. And he's gone through so much and he's had to put up with so much in his head coaching career. But good Lord, you have to know that you're in a playoff situation. If you lose, you're going to be knocked out. I mean, Jesus, I mean, that's I get your work for Dan Snyder, but that's Dan Snyder level. Terrible. That's crazy knuckleheaded terrible. How the hell do you not know that you could get eliminated? I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, nobody wants that job. Let's be fair. Nobody wants that job. Uh, You couldn't hire a random coach maybe cliff kingsbury you could you could hire him and do it and it won't make a damn difference anyway but it's like who the hell wants that job until they change owners but yeah. that's that's one uh 
I think anything this, else? This, this year's coaching carousel and this year's quarterback carousel will be very, very interesting. I think it's yeah. really fun to see where everyone goes, where all these quarterbacks go, where Jimmy Garoppolo plays mm-hmm. will be the most interesting thing of the offseason because I think when he loses Kyle Shanahan doing literally everything for him, people are going to be like, oh, crap, he actually wasn't that good. And then we're going to be like, we told you. We, we all told you. For years, we told you. And well, so, right. what? No, you can go ahead. Oh, no, and then and, and Brady and and, you know, there's just so many teams need a quarterback and there's only so many quarterbacks available in the draft. And it looks like the Texans and the Colts will be those teams unless someone trades up with the Cardinals, the Bears. Yeah. So, I mean, if you really want to take a flyer on Will Levis, the, go for it. That's fine. But there's two guys, in my opinion, that are draftable in this draft. And that's yeah. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. And if yeah. you're getting anyone else other than that, you probably aren't getting a guy who's going to start next year. Or shouldn't start. Well, uh, shouldn't start. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, we'll yeah. should not yeah. start Anthony Richardson for sure. Do yeah. not start Golly. him. He's not ready. He is a disaster, man. Yeah. So I can't. I mean, I'm a UF guy, so I know. I can't believe he declared. I was surprised. Why would you yeah. declare when you have the whatever the money that the, or whatever they call the ROI or whatever they the, have? You mean the NIL? NIL, whatever. There's all kinds of acronyms for everything. I mean, the, the NIL. Yeah. You get paid. You can get broke off to go and play, and you can transfer every year. It seems like I don't know how many guys have transferred like three times to go and and get cash. The Southern Carolina guys declared. What's his name? Ritter? Not Ritter. Um, he used to play for Oklahoma, and then he went. Oh, that guy. Yeah, Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler. Rattler. Oh yeah, that guy declaring. I mean, you got to take advantage of the opportunity. That's what it is. is You got to take advantage of the opportunity while you have. I mean, yeah, you have the NIL and everything, but it doesn't compare to NFL money and. You know they have the, gonna play. the potential yeah. and everything, so they're. I mean, yeah, but their quarterback is overdrafted, and you know they're going to be sold by yeah. their agent and everything. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a good athletic talent. So is Anthony Richardson. It's hard not to take the. Uh, you know, for if you're a quarterback desperate team to try to take a shot at you know somebody with that type of talent, and might need a year or two of refining or whatever, and you know see what happens. And I mean. I'll say for Richardson, I mean, if he, he's had some pretty, you know, good balls that he threw this year, but there are the other times where he's really bad. So, I mean, if he can figure it out, he might be really good in the NFL with his athletics, athleticism, but you know, just, um, you know, the amount of, yeah, amount of quarterbacks that could be drafted. Yeah. I agree with the only two of them, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. Yeah, those are, and, and even with Chicago's moving up, I don't know who would, be willing to give up that bounty to go to Chicago. And, yeah, nobody really has that anymore. Um, I mean, we saw what Philly had to do years ago for Wentz. We've seen it over the years. Uh, the Chicago, Jets should do it. If there's any team that should do it, it should be the Jets. But they won't do it, I don't think. They're not smart enough to. The Jets are going to sign a veteran, and that's one of the teams that Garoppolo would be in play with. I think, I mean, there's three that come to mind immediately. The the Jets, the Raiders, and New England. Um, those are the three because they're all connections. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, because Mac Jones is a tool and he's mediocre. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think uh, so. I mean, that's a whole other thing with that. I mean, I, I think some of the coaches before we move on and let you go, Nate, I know we kept you on here for a little over an hour so. Um, I think, of course, Harbaugh, because now he's getting investigated for improprieties. That's usually when uh, coaches decide, oh, I need to leave college. Uh, it's kind of like how Urban Meyer 
was getting investigated again. Uh, and then all of a sudden, oh, I want to try to be an NFL coach because I'm an arrogant prick and I think I can do it. No, that's where and he fakes a heart attack. Oh, no. he Well, that's, yeah, the heart problems always come up. That's my favorite part. Oh, man, I have heart problems. Oh, shit. I can't deal with it. I need, I can't deal with the stress. Three months later, oh, which college job is open? Oh, I'll go there. Um, so that, that was a, his gimmick. Harbaugh's one. Of course, Peyton is the number one choice, but then Harbaugh's there. And then the one thing that's going to help that has helped the Niners over the years is their deep playoff runs. It's why Bob Sala, it took Bob Sala a while to leave. It's a reason why Mike McDaniel kind of sort of had to wait, but then Miami needed to save face with their hire because they shouldn't have fired Brian Flores. Uh, And then, so they hired McDaniel. Uh, So in that sense, it took them a while to get those jobs. D'Amico Ryans, to be fair, he is a, a original Houston Texan. I think he played the vast majority of his career, if not his entire career for Houston. And But they keep on doing these one and dones. And to me, why would he already sees what stability is? Why would he go work for Nick Casario, who in his time as the GM has fired two coaches already and, and hired and fired two coaches? And Cal McNair is dumber than a than than whatever a, a bale of hay i mean if his yeah. dad wasn't a rich oil tycoon that dipshit couldn't he can't even screw in a light bulb without instructions and you're gonna go and talk he can't run a football team we know that uh why would you want to coach there uh at least there's 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 some semblance of hope or whatever with the jets even though it's the jets or miami even though it's miami there is no hope in Houston. I think Eric Bieniemy is gone this year out of Kansas City for sure. I think Eric Bieniemy will be a head coach. I mean, I I I guess I I can see that, but then I also see that why would he leave? Andrew know, Andrew Ryad. Like, why did Dable leave, right? You know, Dable left. No, he was due. I mean, he was due. He had that waited a while. It fits your narrative there. He waited a while and it worked out perfectly cuz he had the GM move down move down that he knew. Um yeah. You would need. I think I w- is going to be one of those guys that people want because they've seen the Kansas City Chiefs see so much success. Yeah, but the thing is, he's not going to have Patrick Mahomes. That's true. He's not. I mean, may, can he make? Can he make Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud into Patrick Mahomes Jr.? Maybe, I but I doubt it. It's yeah. I mean, you're you're asking for a miracle there. If I was Eric Bieniemy, I'm playing the same role as what Todd Bowles did and be a loyal soldier. And play this out and wait for Andrew Ryad to say, hey, I'm, I'm good and just take the job over. Uh, that's literally what I, I think he wants. He's going to do uh, unless he's coerced with a lot of money uh, to yeah. move elsewhere. Um, I wouldn't want to be take the Indianapolis job. That's that is really bad. Houston's a really bad situation. Washington would be a bad one. Dallas is a terrible one. Uh, there really aren't any good ones. The Arizona Cardinals are are, are a rudderless ship too. I'm I mean like the only the one Rams would be a the Rams terrible. would be horrendous. I think there's only two jobs that have some semblance of hope, and that's the two newest owners in the NFL. It's yeah. Denver and Carolina. Yeah, Carolina has a blank I think slate. Be something good. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. With you. Those are the two best jobs in the NFL right now. So yeah. those are the ones that would be interesting. 
maybe uh you know one of these coordinators goes think, there maybe they don't russell wilson play like russell wilson again i want someone to come in and i know we all hate him as niner fans but i think last this year was kind of unfun to see you know the fact that seattle basically fleeced the broncos like that's that sucked we want yeah. to see the seahawks get fleeced we all want to see that right and so i'd love to see like someone come in and just make him look like a god again and then you know because right it was two firsts not one i think it was like Three, uh, two, two ones, two twos, a three, four. four Noah fan. See the Broncos screw them over next year, where they have a terrible first round pick, not pick five. You know, yeah, that's what I want to see more than anything. But who knows? No, because they're going to trade it. They're going to trade down anyways, because that's what Seattle always does. Uh, if they trout out Geno Smith again. It is going to be the funniest thing I've ever watched in my entire life. He might win comeback player of the year. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, but, but but we all know. Yeah, he's good. yeah. I mean, it's fine. I, I, I'm happy for him as a person. You know, he played good for a decent amount of the season, but it kind of started going away uh, when reality set in. And I think the reality will set in. The clock's going to strike on Saturday. Uh, Nate, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, great to have you on. Uh, promote uh, whatever you want to promote. Uh, where can we yeah. find you and uh, read your content and uh, all the stuff with 49ers i primarily just tweet stuff now i do have a youtube show that I is currently on hiatus just because i'm really busy with some other stuff in life but uh you can find me at 9849 on twitter follow me there i tweet a bunch of nonsense uh if we get the eagles in the nfc championship game i'm just gonna tweet cupcakes for a whole week so get ready for that it's gonna be super fun um and then since you guys are about to talk about racing i just want to say go mercedes so i need Lewis hey. hamilton to wake the fuck up well let's hey Hey, maybe Lewis can help the Broncos with their coaching hire. He is a, yeah, he's a minority owner. That is the true. Denver You're Broncos. right. That's funny. All right, you guys have a great time night. All right, man. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. And uh yeah, I mean we to talk about Mercedes coming back. Hopefully they will. I need that for my own um interest in Formula One too. I think for the interest in Formula One in general. Uh okay, so let's uh one other piece of uh news here in terms of the football before we move on to racing again uh, as a fantasy football, the fall brawl league, uh, Wilson is now a three time winner of the league because my team shit the bed, um, in large part due to the quarterbacks, not really having to play or not doing much. And then other players not showing up, uh, Jeff in his first year, Eagles fan, uh, was a dominant presence, him and Wilson, but I was able to score the most points uh, for this year and um, ended up losing to me in the semifinal, but he won a decent amount of money. Uh, otherwise, Josh ends up finishing fourth in the league. So I think you're, you're, uh, you're pretty consistent. You're in the playoffs every year, the three years you've been in there. And I think in some order, you're two, three, and four. I think you're either. I think you finished third, yeah, then second, second then third, fourth. fourth. Yeah, that's not a good trend. Uh, at yeah, least your not. team, your actual team's trend is better than that. Um, but I'd rather take your trend than what my recent uh, recent record is. Uh, but yeah, Wilson won. Was it Steve ended up finishing fifth, and uh, Professor J after you know finishing third, having the best year he's had in many years. A goes and lost to me as well uh in the first round and i think that's one of the openings there uh have to confirm it might have I, i'm assuming there's gonna be at least two uh 
I'm feeling two will happen, maybe more, but uh, to be determined on that. But yeah, that was fantasy. It was fun. It was competitive. I just wanted to back into the playoffs. I had that feeling that, you know, I could make a run, a miracle run. It almost happened. I, I was able to do it twice, but the third time I wasn't able to. But to be fair, Wilson's team is probably the best team across the season. So credit to him. Uh, the belt will be adjusted accordingly. I just have to take the uh, the whatever the placard off and uh, order a new one and uh, put in the team names and all that. He's now the he's all alone in second place as a second winningest owner in fall brawl history. The um, winningest guy is this guy, um, five time. I wanted to be I've wanted to be seven time for a long time. I wanted to be six time, seven time. Uh, we'll get there. Um, I think Josh will be, of course, in contention as always. But now both of us have more important things to worry about, which is our actual teams having a chance to go to Glendale um, here in a few weeks time. So the big news in in motorsports uh, recently is uh, Michael Andretti trying to somehow or another convince these assholes in Formula One, the owners and whoever, the people that run uh, these teams to convince them that they could actually be a viable candidate. The irony is in they they're all this American centric. You have Liberty Media who owns Formula One, American company. You have this insist you have three Grand Prix in America. Two of the I mean, one, the Vegas thing is like a complete stunt. The Miami one is in the in a parking lot. Uh I don't it's a parking lot and they have a fake marina. The only one that's legitimate is Coda. You you have this drive to survive thing, and there's all these people, content creators, they're from America. They only got in because they they're uh, because of drive to survive. You have Gene Haas, who's run a crap, a mediocre team in Formula One for the better part of what is it now? It would be this is going to be his seventh or eighth year, I think. I might be, or yeah, I think it might be his eighth year in Formula One, and uh, this year and. What what significant things has that team ever done? And you have the guy he that runs the team, Gunther Steiner, has made it clear over time that he doesn't believe in American drivers, doesn't want an American driver. The cl- here's the thing about about Haas: the closest they ever got to having an American driver go somewhere was root beer floathead, and he went and canceled himself trying to run over Arjun Miney in a freaking Formula Two race or Formula Three, whichever one they were in. He tried to run him over, and they got an RG barge, and they both got fired. I mean, that that's that's it. A guy who's the lead driver for Foyt now in IndyCar. That's who the one American they wanted to put over at Haas. Not not like Colton Herta. Not somebody who actually might have talent or ability. Not a Logan Sargent. Fucking Santino Ferrucci. So, I mean, come on now. Williams, Dalton, I think there's some connections to America. You have other teams that have American sponsors, et cetera, et cetera. They have no problem. It's the same way as they don't mind all the Middle East money and all the crap that goes on in the Middle East. That's been a problem for uh, going on 20 years now the, uh, in Formula One. But the fact that they are so insistent on not wanting Michael Andretti to be in Formula One, I think is 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 not only it's ignorance, it's fear, and it's stupidity. 
because he's willing to pay whatever they keep on moving goalposts. He's willing to pay the money to get in there. He's making connections with different manufacturers to make this happen. He's building a massive building to run all 86 of his programs. What the hell else do you want? I, I don't understand what you need. To, to They actually want to be competitive. At no point has Gene Haas shown that he really wants to be competitive. He, the, the point, the proof was in it last year when he had freaking Egghead driving one of those cars. He'd have rather been been connected to to a freaking dictator than uh, than actually run a decent Formula One team. Like I don't, I, it pisses me off the way Formula One is starting to become. Or ha- I mean, it's been this way. This old boys club mentality. They wanted. They they had no problem with Lawrence Stroll and his his attitude and arrogance. They have no problem with Canadians bringing their money, but they and they don't mind having American money brought into the sport. But they don't want an American owner that actually has a clue get in the sport. The last time they had that was Carl Haas, but he wasn't able to fully commit because, to be fair, his program and everything running Lola in the U.S. and also having Mario Andretti that was the uh, that was the thing that took precedence. Um, than their Formula One program, even though they had pieces there. But what are your thoughts, Josh, on this whole what is becoming a debacle uh, with Michael Andretti trying to make a Formula One team and um, Formula One and the FIA moving the goalposts constantly? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's constant gatekeeping and um, by you know Formula One and most of uh, the Formula One teams, I think, and you know I think Michael Andretti, you know I. No, he didn't have the greatest history in Formula One as a driver. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I'm just, you know, thinking off, you know, speculating off the top of my head. And um, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But, you know, um, Michael, he's proven to be a successful team owner, um, you know, in IndyCar and um, throughout other sports. He has multiple entities, like you said. And, um, you know, they, I think they've, you know, they're building a um, huge facility in indiana and uh, i think in carmel and uh yeah, outside of indianapolis so they're they're very much intention uh intentional is to uh, uh you know, grow their uh business and um you know become a global motorsport giant and uh you know i think that's gonna end up being the plan there but you know f1's making it really hard uh for them to do it and they don't have to and um you know it, it it's like yeah it's like you said it is the old boys club for the most part, and there aren't really any new F1 teams that come in and break ground. And, and I think I think they know that Andretti, you know, he has an idea of how to run a team, like you said, and um, you know they don't want a newcomer to come in and steal the show uh, like that uh, from them. Although it would take a few years, you know, because you know they're not going to um, run, you know, top five every week from the beginning. But you know, it would happen very soon i think and um you know they don't want that from you know mercedes doesn't want that smoke red bull doesn't want that smoke even zach brown and mclaren they probably don't want that you know and surprising because you know zach brown and michael andretti uh were partners yeah. for the they are partners in, yeah there are partners in uh, in the v8 supercars team there are partners in sports cars or yep. in, in yep. wec i think yeah with um, um what's it called uh, oh, no, I may, I'm wrong with that. He United Autosport is yeah. not with the, yeah, that's not with Andretti, but they are partners and connected with the supercars team that used to be, yeah, Andretti HRT, Hawkinshaw United, or Hawkinshaw Andretti United, yeah. um, which is now a Ford program. So, right. yeah, I mean, yeah, you have that, and 
um, you know, like I said before, like the partnership they had in the Indy 500 in 2017 with Fernando Alonso. And I mean, if anybody should be going to bat for Michael Andretti, it should be Zach Brown and surprisingly, and, and they're in IndyCar together. So Zach Brown knows, uh, Andretti quite well. And, um, I mean, I haven't, you know, looked into it too much, but, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, it's like, yeah, we'll be buddy, buddy over here, but I'm not going to let you come into my house or into my playground or whatever. So I'll come into your house, but I'm not letting you come into mine. So, you know, it's not a two way street apparently. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's a really tough situation. And yeah, it's like, they want, they want all the benefits without all the commitment, I guess, in a way, I guess, I don't know. Like it, it's, um, it's not a good situation. And, you know, Andretti, I mean, they've, you know, before they said they wanted to buy in with, um, Sauber. Not, yeah, Sauber, the former Sauber team. And, uh, you know, they, they wanted to do that. And now I think they want to become a completely new team and partner with, uh, Cadillac. And I think, um, it sounds like from what I've been able to piece together that their power unit would be Renault. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and so the one team that is maybe going to go bad for them is Alpine because they're basically Renault. Um, they're the you know factory Renault team and everything. So there's that. But you know you have twenty or well not twenty other teams, twenty drivers, but nine, you know, the, nine other teams yeah, nine that other are going teams against it that are going you know, are aren't going to bat for you. So it's you know really interesting to see how this plays out um, and everything. I mean you know you should have at least three teams on his like like um, I said so McLaren. Um, Alpine, like who's already, I think, partnering with him, and Gene Haas yeah. with Haas, because of course, you know, Haas is an American team. There's probably no. some common ground. You know, uh, Michael Andretti can call Tony Stewart and tell him to get Gene on the phone and be like, you know, why are you fading me here? You know, so uh, it's just I think a Tony unique and Gene talk that much. That well, might yeah, be part but, of the I mean, problem. there's the there's still the link there. There's yeah. still the link there. So you at least have to try. Uh, yeah. You know, but. It's just a, uh, it's just another gatekeeping situation, and um, you know it's unfortunate because um, you know there there needs to be you know I mean if everyone's going to have a presence here in America, like you know with uh, the Netflix series with the Miami Grand Prix, the Las Vegas Grand Prix, and then Coda, the U- Grand Prix of the United States, um, and of course having potential American talent come into Formula One potentially, you know with Logan Sargent's already. You know, be there, yeah. there, he's going to be there. And then you have uh, potentially uh, Colton Herta in the future. You know, you might have Polo come over, you know, through McLaren. You might have um, other drivers like Pato Award come over there that have that potential. And, you, you know, you have American talent that could be there. And then all you need is an American run team that can actually kind of help foster that talent and make sure that they have a shot and they don't get wasted. Like some of these other American talents that have come or tried to come through and didn't make it, or they made it and didn't have a good opportunity. So, um, you know, you need that. And, you know, it's like, nah, we don't want you here. You know, we will play in your, your house, but we're not letting you in our house. So it's a clearly not a two way street right now in formula one with America. And it's a problem that they're the PR aspect of it. They're not going to be able to fade it, you know, as this keeps on going. They they did the whole thing with Colton. Uh, they didn't want, and this is Red Bull wanted him, and they didn't want to allow him because of the stupidity of the super license point um, and how they they'll do the levels. And then you that was the first piece. Then Michael said, "Oh, I want to make." 
by the like you talked about before that he wanted to get Sauber. They decided to go against and Fred Vasseur was a part of that. And now he's at Ferrari. Um, Ferrari will just they seem to have like uh, veto power on everything. And Ferrari, I'm like, what the hell? What 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 would happen if somebody told them they couldn't run the WEC with the car they did? What are they going to do? Cry wolf? I mean, that's really what Ferrari always does. Um, they cry wolf. They say bullshit, and then then they come back like like dogs. So. Mercedes, they blame Mercedes and Toto Wolf, and it's like the reality of the world is that team was the Braun team. Now it's, of course, a super team. Uh, the notion they have, what is it, three customer programs as well. So they power 40% of the grid as it stands right now. Uh, Alpine definitely needs another customer. I would, I, and that's part of it. I think they don't want Alpine to get more data and be able to get better. Uh, Red Bull essentially is going to have their own uh, power unit here in the next few years. And Red Bull is what they are. And they don't, they know Alpha Tori is just going to do whatever Red Bull wants them to do. So that's two teams right there. I mean, Ferrari has Haas because they're a customer. So they're going to roll over like a dog and Sauber, at least until next end of this year, has a Ferrari connection. Uh, that's where I think that's part of the problem. Sauber and Haas and Williams, because of their current standing, in a sense, and being smaller market teams, that plays a role. McLaren being a big name, but not having done a lot in recent years over, you know, more or less, they fear that. Aston Martin, because Lawrence Stroll is, an, is a jackass, is afraid of an owner coming in that actually has a clue. And uh, I'm trying to see who else. That's basically most of the midfield and be back of the field, right? That's half the teams. I just named half the teams. And then Alpha Tori is a waste of time. Uh, so that's six teams. That That's a whole second half of the grid. Uh, you have, and I mean, McLaren's in the top half or whatever. Alpine supports them. And then you have the top three teams. So, I mean, it's it's a joke. Uh, and I, I honestly think if, if Andretti really wants to spend that much money, he ought to go and spend it on his IndyCar program so that they can actually be better. That would be a novel concept. Uh, because you have Kyle Kirkwood coming in, taking over Alexander Rossi. You have Colton Herta, who is fast, but has, but makes too many mistakes. I'd be investing on those two guys. And I don't know who the hell else um, they have that DeFrancesco sucks dick. And then I forget who the other driver is. They they, they still have a four car team, right? An IndyCar. Uh, Josh, I don't I don't remember who their other guy was from last year. Um, they had Rossi. Grosjean. 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 Yeah. yeah. Rossi, Grosjean, DeFrancesco, and Holt, Colton Herta. Yeah. So and Grosjean, to be fair, uh, may want to go back. And go back to Europe with his family, uh, even with the DHL sponsorship being there. Uh, he may want to go back. He is a Lamborghini driver, uh, factory prototype driver. He's going to be one of the testers this year. So you would think in 2024, he's going to want to go and run the WEC, you know, dovetail with some other races here and there. Um, so, you know, what, what are you doing? You want I get you want to be in Formula One. But I also look at it in the sense that there's definitely the top, the big two with Penske and Ganassi. McLaren, in whatever name form you want to think about it, has basically become that next 
team largely because of Pato Award. But now there's been a lot of changes there, a uh, lot of movement there, and now they're a three car team. So that's the two. There's the two main Chevy teams and the one Honda team. The second Honda team is supposed to be Andretti. They're young, but they need to move. They have to do what they. They have to do some work. Kirkwood has a talent, but he just destroyed so many race cars last year. We don't really know how good he can be. He showed flashes, but now it's the pressure's on. Uh, Colton Herta can put had the save of the year and he won a race and all this, but he's just as likely to bin it while leading. That's that's the problem. And why why is Andretti insisting on that? Invest in the products that you have. It's like I got a better idea. Buy if you got two hundred million dollars to spend, go and buy two charters in, in the Cup Series. Buy Rick Ware's charters. Do us all a favor. Go and go and get uh, another manufacturer in a NASCAR and buy two charters. That would be and or actually I got a better idea. Since Dale Jr. and them all just bought the Cars Tour, call Dale Jr. and say hey. Let's work together and buy a charter, and it'll be and it'll be Earnhardt Andretti racing or whatever, or Andretti or whatever you want to call it. That would be a better thing. I would than spell out ear, ear, yeah, <laughs> or J, J Junior and or Jar Junior Andretti Jr. Whatever, it would be a good let because it, it it's kind of, it'll be as funny as when Yates try to get, get together Newman Haas Lanigan when that lasted for about ten seconds. Newman Haas Lanigan Yates racing uh, back in the aughts or whatever before the team went in the toilet. So yeah, that is that. I mean, I it it just frustrates me that Formula One their arrogance of the way they do things. They're not they're not that good. You see some of the teams and how bad they really are. It's like I fearing competition speaks a lot to what kind of people you are. Um, if you can't deal with it, you know what I mean? Like that's, uh, that's really, uh, part of it that I, it just bothers me. Uh, especially as somebody who's been a, I was a fan of Michael Andretti over the years and he's become a mogul. I, I can only imagine what they would say if Roger Penske had the same, did the same thing, uh, or Ganassi. I, I wonder what they would say to those guys um, if they don't think Michael Andretti is viable. Okay, so let's move forward into the roundup. Supercross uh, Anaheim 1 took place, and uh, that was a great race. I was able to, I got on just in time to see to see the, uh, the race, the main event. It was a, a really good one. Uh, missed the 251, but Jet Lawrence, who's likely uh, going to be in Supercross in 450s next year, won uh, the West uh, Region 250 race one. Uh, then, but then Eli Tomac took his first Anaheim one victory after uh, he took the lead past Colt Nichols and uh, Justin Barsha up there, Ken Roxon. They were all up in that. Uh, lead pack with with Tomac. Tomac passed all of them. Tomac fell on the start finish uh, tabletop, and Malcolm Stewart was in second, passed him, but then uh, got passed by Chase Sexton. Malcolm Stewart ended up having a huge crash. Uh, Chase Sexton ended up making falling off too. So all everybody was falling. Everyone was making mistakes, but in and the. What it, that allowed Eli Tomac to recover and come back on Sexton 
who made a couple of mistakes, or I don't know if he fell, but he definitely made mistakes. And uh, Rocks, or, I mean, uh, Eli Tomac was able to go and get that pass and win. Uh, Cooper Webb, two-time champion in the series. Of course, um, Eli Tomac's also a, a two-time champion. Uh, a big run for him. Cooper Webb finishes second, but he was far back. And then the third place spot was Chase Sexton there. Uh, so interesting start to the year. Uh, Eli Tomac, of course, going and winning uh, the A1 is huge for his team, uh, huge for uh, for what what's going to happen in terms of the season. I mean, you think about uh, what he may be doing or what he might do. It seems like he may not. He this might be his last year. So giving him that opportunity. Uh, to come back and win might be a big problem. Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, Chase Sexton, Dylan Ferrandez, Ken Roxon, your top five. So you had uh, four manufacturers represented there in the top five. Then Colt Nichols, Jason Anderson, Aaron Plessinger, Adam Cianciarulo, and Joey Savacci uh, round out the top ten. In the 250s, Jet Lawrence wins over R.J. Hampshire, Cameron McAdoo, were your podium finishers, then Mitchell Oldenburg, Max Voland, Enzo Lopes, Levi Kitchen, Phil Nicoletti, and Styles Styles Robertson and Derek Kelly are your top ten in that. They'll be racing at Oakland uh, this weekend uh, for round two of the Supercross Championship. The Dakar Rally is still going. Nasser Alatia is highly likely. I mean, he's well ahead. Uh, at this point and so it's going to be uh, ha- uh, hard to see um, anybody really beating them uh, as it stands Sebastian Loeb uh, won this one stage the the last thing they reported is yeah Sebastian Loeb winning the uh, stage eight so I don't know who won stage nine they haven't posted it yet at least uh Right now, Nasser Alatia has a one-hour, over-an-hour lead. Uh, it's a Toyota 1-2-3 right now. Sebastian Loeb needs to make up 32 minutes to get on the podium. Lucas Marais, or, you know, he can 50 minutes to get to second. Uh, Janelle de Villiers, teammate to Nasser Alatia, is fifth. Roman Dumas uh, is sixth. So that's that's the cars category um, in the motorcycle uh, category. It's uh, very competitive. American uh, American rider Skylar Howes. Oh, it is a rest day. That's why. Uh, okay, so Skylar Howes is leading uh, the race right now by 1 minute 13 seconds over fellow American Mason Klein. Uh, Kevin Benavides, former champion of this race, is also at 113 behind Toby Price, former winner. Also, uh, 258 behind. So three KTM's behind the Husqvarna of Skyler House. Trying to see who else, anybody that's familiar, don't really know any of that. So that's the uh, bike class there. Hopefully one of the two Americans can come through. I was thinking that uh, Ricky Brabeck, former winner of the race, was going to have a good one. Unfortunately, he had a huge accident, um, but he's home safely, getting nursed back to health with his smoking hot girlfriend, Sarah Price. Uh, Chili Bowl. Uh, taking place, midget nationals. Our former 
guest uh, Ralph Shaheen is there. So um, they had practice yesterday on Sunday. Tonight's the first prelim night uh, of, uh, so what is that? Spencer based. Oh, so it looks like, oh, so Spencer based in won the race of champions. So then what is it? Um, so that's a good start to the week for based in um, takes the win in the one S uh, with true timber, uh, true timber camo as a sponsor. I guess that's a sprint car uniform there. So wins the, wow, those are some interesting looking, um, women there um uh, on the trophy the trophy girls the one looks like like Lee or looks like uh what's her name the nikki benz old nikki benz and the other one looks like a comment partly like nicole bass but whatever uh the results of the race of champion spencer based in canon mcintosh rico abreu logan cv tanner thorson the defending champion of the uh chili bowl Chase Briscoe, Buddy Kofoid, Blake Hahn, Justin Grant, and Cody Swanson. We round out the top 10. Uh, Michael Pickens, Alex Bowman, Tim McCready, former winner of the uh, Chili Bowl, Tanner Carrick, Zach Dom, Brendan Crouch, Shane Cockrum, Sammy Swindell, the winningest driver in the history of the Chili Bowl Nash- Nationals, and the Demon, Damian Gardner, uh, round out the field. Of course, Sammy Swindell's won four of these races, along with the five uh, A-mains in the Chili Bowl. Uh, Christopher Bell won two years in a row. Justin Grant based in, that's a recent Tanner Thorson's a two-time winner of this event. Chad Boat uh, won this, and Kyle Larson is a two-time winner. Kevin Swindell, Brad Loyette. So, good start to the week for Logan Seavey, uh, or Spencer based in, I mean, to get that uh get that victory and a good run for uh, Chase Briscoe just outside the top five. Rico Abreu is definitely somebody to look at for in terms of uh, a favorite two-time winner of this race. Uh, It's been uh, tough sledding since he won back-to-back. It's going to, we'll see what happens with that. Going through the heat races, time Toyota qualifiers. Oh, it's good. Dave and P features. And so the A feature for uh, Monday night, Cannon McIntosh, Trey Marcham, Chris Windham, Ryan Tim, Shane Golubic, Kyle Spence, Jerry Coons Jr., Tanner Holmes, Sean McClellan, Tom Harris, Gavin Boschel, um, Chase Briscoe made it in. If he can get in the top two, he'd be locked into the A main. Uh, Steven Snyder Jr., TJ Smith, Tyler Edwards, Gary Taylor, Alex Sewell, Nick Hoffman, Cap Henry, Jacob Denny, Ayrton Jeniton, Daniel Adler, Howard Moore, Joey Paxson. I've barely heard of a lot of these guys. Uh, so some of the people that missed the A, I'm trying to look through this quickly, see if there's anything that stands out. Probably would if I watched, if they had midget racing on TV more often like they used to. Tony Bruce Jr., was just outside uh, in his B. Uh, that's the only one I could really see. So there's going to be other prelims the rest of the week leading up to uh, Saturday night and the uh, whole feature, all the feet, you know, all the uh, the alphabet soup. So we'll see what happens with that, and we'll tell you who won the uh, Chili Bowl uh, next week. 
Um, I'm hoping it's either Rico or Chase, but I'm sure there are plenty of guys, Buddy Kofoid and uh, others that can really put put a whooping on people uh, and have a chance. In terms of Formula E, the preview for the 2023 season, uh, they're going to start here in Mexico City uh, to this weekend at uh, Hermanos Rodriguez. So that'll be a, an, a cool thing to see. Uh, they have 1995 graphics, which is also great for Formula E. Uh, the teams for this year will be Apt Cupra Formula E team, which will have power units from uh, Mahindra. Robin Frines and Nico Muller will be uh, the drivers there. Avalanche Andretti uh, Formula E team. They're going to have Porsche powertrains, and they will have Jake Dennis and Andre Lauderer in their cars. DS Penske, so they're getting the uh, the whole DS uh, program there. Defending champion Stoffel Van Dorn and multiple champion John Eric Verne will be there. Envision Racing, who will be using Jaguar uh, powertrains, will bring back Nick Cassidy and former champion Sebastian Buemi. Jaguar TCS Racing, unchanged, Mitch Evans and Sam Bird. Uh, Mahindra Racing makes changes to uh, bring Oliver Rowland and former champion Luca Degrassi in. Maserati MSG Racing is the former, uh, whatchamacall team, trying to remember. But yeah, Rocket Venturi Racing, there you go. Rocket Venturi Racing, Eduardo Motara, Max Gunther, the drivers there. Neo McLaren Formula E is the old Mercedes team that Stoffel Van Dorn, of course, won with uh, last year, Jake Hughes and Rene Rast. Neo 333 Racing with their own uh, powertrain, Dan Tictum and Sergio Sete Camara, formerly of uh, uh, Penske. Nissan Formula E team will be Sasha Fenestraz and Norman Nato. Uh, Fenestraz is, uh, drives Japanese uh, Super GT for Nissan. Then you have the Porsche, Tag Heuer Porsche Formula E team, former champion Antonio Felix da Costa and Pascal Verline. A uh, new car this year, wide open to see who's going to be uh, up there. Um, schedule is uh, is different, of course, this year than new new events. And the, um, I mean, where is, why can't I go into races drive? There you go. So they'll be at Mexico City to start the season here this weekend. Then in two weeks, they'll be in Saudi for two rounds. Then in February, early February, they'll go to India for the first time. Uh, end of February, they will go to South Africa in Cape Town. A month, they'll take a month break and then run in Sao Paulo, Brazil for the first time. Uh, the Berlin E-Prix would then will take place in April with two rounds back-to-back on the streets or on their airport circuit they have there. They'll return to Monaco in early May prior to the Formula One Monaco Grand Prix. Jakarta, Indonesia will have a doubleheader on the weekend of July 4th for us. And Portland, Oregon will have a Formula E race, first time in the U.S. at the end of June. Rome will host a round of the Formula E championship, the next to last uh, 
the round two, the run two races, and then the London E-Prix at the end of July will round out the championship. So they'll they'll be busy uh, somewhat here. They'll be running, what is it, four, what is it, a total of five rounds in the span of about six, seven weeks. And then after that, um, things will slow down a little bit uh, with Brazil and then the Berlin. And then afterwards, you know, the Monaco race, they'll kind of have those clustered together. So interesting to see. We'll see how the new cars are and how um, they race. And if there's a little more competition there in regards to the um, Formula E championship. In terms of uh, IMSA, there's some news. You got uh, join NT2's new IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Don, yeah, so, oh, God. Alessandro Delita, he, he's a jackass. Oh, boy. Um, wow. I know who, there's going to be a caution there. That and that Lamborghini probably won't be in one piece at the end of the the twenty four hours. Uh, I think that's Nikki Team will join uh, Andy Lally, John Potter, and Spencer Pumpelly in the Magnus Racing Aston Martin. Nikki Team, of course, the factory Aston Martin driver uh, there. Uh, Josh, I guess you can kick in here on this uh, Cars Late Model Tour before we move in the NASCAR segment there, NASCAR part. Uh, I don't know who this guy is. Oh, Steve Erickson, formerly of HPD, has taken over uh, the CEO for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan in IndyCar and IMSA, where, of course, IndyCar with Honda and then IMSA with BMW. Franco Colapinto joins the F1 Academy for Williams. Um, what is it? WEC says customer LMH uh, cars are possible. Not just LMDH, but I have it. I find that interesting because they've never offered. I've not seen uh, anybody offer those cars yet. So while the LMDH programs are are able to go and offer uh, customer cars, so that'll be something to look at um, as years go by. Uh, okay, ran through all of that. We got some other pieces. Yeah, I mentioned. Oh, yeah, so. Uh, Pietro Fittipaldi is going to be racing in both the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and in WEC, along with being the uh, test and reserve driver for Haas. Uh, Fittipaldi and Eric Lux will drive together at the Rick Ware Racing LMP2. Uh, and then they're going to have Devlin Francesco and defending Daytona 500 winner Austin Sindrick in that car. So that'll be an interesting piece there. Uh, interesting car. Uh, I mean, obviously, we know Austin Sindrick is good. And last year, Eric Lux and uh, Devlin Francesco were part of the winning LMP2 team that also had Colton Herta and Pato Award as a driver lineup. So we'll see if that can they can repeat. Uh, Josh, I'll kick to you in terms of the news that uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., amongst a group of big-time guys in the uh, NASCAR Cup Series. Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jeff Burton, Kevin Harvick, and Justin Marks yeah. will buy the Cars Tour, which has the Pro Late Models and the Late Model Stock Division. Of course, um, Dale Earnhardt Jr. with Junior Motorsports has kept. He's had teams um, in in this series from its inception. Of course, Jeff Burton is doing stuff, you know, and then you got Justin Marks always looking for good investments. Kevin Harvick, of course, who's 
trying to think of a career for Keelan, um, whether that it's going to be here or it's going to be an open wheel. I think Keelan wants to go to Formula One, but see what happens there. Uh, you know, in terms of this, I mean, it's a big news for late model racing. There's some a lot of changes going on. There's super late model. There's a series that's going to have a bunch of big races. You have the late model stock division, which has Carson Quapel as the defending champion, likely future Xfinity driver for junior motorsports. Josh Berry, of course, was a dominant figure there. Um, but to have those big names all collaborate together, I think it's a big deal for short tracks and late model racing. No, yeah, it's definitely a big deal for sure. And you know, you look at the the move and who all is involved. Of course, you know, there's a you know, couple months ago we've seen uh, this rumor that you know Dale Jr. and uh, his sister Kelly um, had bought a stake in the series, um, and that had been rumors you know for a while now and. Um, you know, now we finally get that confirmation, uh, which I thought that was really interesting. You know, that Dale Jr. was going to, you know, buy this, uh, or at least, you know, buy a stake in the series. And, um, you know, he hadn't known the reasons yet, but now we know now. But then also, uh, Kevin Harvick, uh, is also, you know, having a stake in it and, um, which is really interesting. And it makes sense now with, um, you know, last couple of months, um, you know, Harvick and Rodney Childers, uh, you know, who are, you know, making um, a late model team, I guess. So now it kind of makes more sense that they're getting back involved with late models. Uh, Burton, you know, he's involved with it too. Um, and I mean, he's a, he's a short track guy too. I mean, you know, he South Boston Speedway, you know, back in the day. Uh, so, you know, he, he's been somebody who's been around for a while who, you know, knows how to get it done on, on the short tracks and, you know, Harrison, uh, grew up through short track racing as well, uh, you know, um, you know, through pass and pro pro all-star series and, uh, you know, cars as well. So, um, he, he's somebody that, you know, has been in that system for a while. So he knows the environment of course. And then Justin Marks, who I think is, you know, he's the new guy here, right. But, um, he, he really understands the business side, um, as well and you know we've seen the growth of track house racing the last two years and um you know they're con- going to continue to uh, grow and expand uh you know throughout the years and you know junior himself of course you know star power so um it's it's gonna be interesting to see w- the direction you know this uh, late model series goes in um could you know especially with a nascar heavy ownership group um, could be a feeder uh, potentially for late model racing into stock cars, you know, in, into the truck series and uh, into the Xfinity series. We could see, um, you know, more, uh, you know, expansion of it, I guess, with, you know, going to larger NASCAR run short tracks or affiliated short tracks. And, you know, you think about some of the, you know, I mean, they already race at Martinsville, right? But, you know, but maybe they go race at Bristol or, uh, I mean, I don't know if they already do, but, you know, or uh, Richmond or, you know, go to Iowa or any of these other like larger short tracks um, around the nation that, you know, host the, the Cup Series, the Xfinity and, you know, the Truck Series. So we could see something like that um, and definitely, you know, grows the exposure of the series as well with all those star power names uh, there that are in the ownership group. And, you know, they, they'll figure something out and, you know, definitely help grow the, you know, sport of short track racing for sure and help 
you know, facilitate it and steward, you know, just have a stewardship of it and definitely brings uh, a lot of credibility in, into short track racing. Uh, so, you know, now, I mean, there's, you know, multiple series, you know, that run, you know, late models, you know, throughout the Southeast, throughout America, but, you know, it's going to be, um, you know, I think this is going to be like the main series now with uh, this type of, uh, you know, group behind it. So, you know, we'll see in the coming years, uh, you know, the direction that they take this series. And, you know, if they if they do a better job running it than NASCAR does their own series, you know, they're going to have to really um, make some hard decisions there. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. It's something to look at the way late models and super late models in the southeast and in general on uh, west coast how they've all been run there's some of the unification aspects i'm trying to find rules a rules uh, package that actually is unified as georgia dominates and wins the national championship 65 to 7 wow that's that's god awful uh so yeah so a couple of things in in uh, nascar news uh, chad johnston got announced as the crew chief for ryan priest Oh God, I, I feel bad for Ryan Priest already. Um, maybe Chad Johnson figured out how to become a better crew chief in the last few years um, because he sure as hell wasn't a good one when he was Tony Stewart's crew chief. Um, he was all right with uh, Kyle Larson at the 42 car. And Jonathan Tony, a former engineer or longtime engineer at SHR, uh, will become the crew chief for Cole Custer in the Xfinity series and in betting some betting circles they're choosing they're making the favorite cole custer so interesting since they're reestablishing a team and he's coming back to the xfinity series getting demoted in a sense for them to be uh, a favorite but considering his xfinity record winning a race last year it's not out of the realm of possibility uh garrett smithley they announced that he initially they announced earlier last year that he would be in the number 78 for BJ McLeod Motorsports, but instead he'll be in the number 99 full-time for whatever that's worth. Um, Blaine Perkins is going to be the main driver for SS Greenlight Racing. They'll switch to Chevys, at least for his car. The second team will run uh, Fords and Chevys. Blaine Perkins will have Mike Hillman Sr. as his crew chief, and they'll get RCR uh engines so that that's not a bad uh situation there uh, blaine perkins is a part of ron hornaday's development uh deal there so interesting to see maybe we'll see ron hornaday at some more xfinity races uh, then joe williams uh crew chief who has been in the sport for a while uh he has been uh he ended up he was working in the trucks he's also worked in the xfinity he will become the crew chief for the number 25 ford for am racing for brett moffitt so that'll be uh interesting combination of course am racing essentially takes over where ss greenlight was uh, as a satellite effort for uh stewart Haas racing and an expanded amount of fords that'll be out there uh in the xfinity series so we'll see what happens with that. And that team, Joe Williams, does have experience with Moffitt at previously at Our Motorsports. All right. So, Josh, uh, let us know what's going on in the world of sim racing, uh, iRacing, and other gaming um, in your segment. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, we talked about it, you know, already, you know, with all the things that could be happening this year with um, iRacing. And um, I mean, they have the Rolex, not the Rolex 24 iRacing, but they have the um, iRacing Roar 2.4 before the 24, I think this weekend or next weekend. So that might be interesting. I don't know if I'm having enough time, especially if I um, go to the the Jaguars playoff game. I don't know if I have time to do that. So, uh, I, if, if it is this weekend, I have to double check on the schedule, but, um, I mean, there's that going around. Um, I ran, I did run the, uh, Honda civic type R at Daytona, um, and ran, ran your rail on that one. Um, you know, run usually I've, I've been doing a little bit more road racing lately. Um, been doing, uh, Mazda Miatas as well. Um, also at, uh, Daytona and, um, at Summit Point Raceway, ran ran pretty well, and actually on uh, the last lap got into turn one a little too hot, and was racing the leader the whole race, and actually got into him, and um, I could have kept going, but I actually stopped or almost stopped because I was like hoping that he could get it straight and we could keep continuing, and I you know wouldn't have to um, you know say that I wrecked the guy for the win at least, or you know, but um, you know it was not it was my fault there, I guess. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like the guy, the leader in front of me just, uh, maybe slowed down a little bit too much. And, you know, uh, I, I think he was going to miss the corner as well. And I just was a little bit too hot into the corner and ran in the back of him, but you know, that's how it works sometimes. And still ended up finishing second, but then the other guy actually finished third and whoever was third was like three seconds behind us. And then he passed for the win. So that's fine. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I haven't really done too much on iRacing and it's because uh, playoff stuff. And then also uh, Friday, uh, last Friday, I actually went go-karting in Orlando. I went to a Orlando Kart Center, which uh, is actually a, you know pretty well known if you pay attention to, you know, some people like uh, Juan Montoya, Rubens Barrichello. Um, they've been known to go to this place and other guys probably cannot. I'm sure that Kevin Harvick has probably taken Keelan there at some point because uh, I know he's been to Ocala uh, before, but. Um, yeah, it's, I haven't been there in quite some time, uh, since like 2011, um, usually for go-karting, uh, go to, uh, K1 Speed or, uh, other places that, you know, have the more electric style go-karts, but, uh, Orlando Kart Center has, uh, gas powered carts and, um, you know, they're a lot different. They handle a lot different, honestly, than, than the electric ones. Cause the electric ones have a lot more grip, you know, it's the, um, greater, you know, weight power to weight ratio so you have a lot of you feel the acceleration but you know you're also a polished floor and everything so you have a lot of you have a lot of grip and it's really easy to you know drive it you know at 100 percent and you know get the most out of it but it felt different with the uh gas go-kart outdoors on on pavement and um you know you really had to uh find you know find the groove uh, in the corner you know and and um hit your marks um and i actually spun out a bunch uh throughout my time on friday uh i locked up the brakes a lot going into the corner so um i was i was driving it like because i was used to how i was with the electric carts and you know i didn't really um i guess i didn't really factor in the difference there because um i I, um, would, you know, go in too hot and break way late and lock up the brakes. And then, you know, you have that feeling where, um, you lose the, the cart and, you know, you have, you lose, you know, everything comes out from under you and you, you know, either go into the barrier or you go into the grass 
and you know you just got to wait until it stops so you can get back going again and turn around so um yeah that was a pretty interesting experience and honestly had a lot of fun doing it um it was a i mean the first race i did it was pretty good and then kind of fell off after that but um you know enjoyed it and uh want to try to go back there soon um but you know it was a lot of fun because you're really sliding around um you know there's not as much grip and you know coming out of the corner you know is having to like say i was going into a right-hander i'd have to like steer it back to the left on corner exit so you know really having to slide it you know drift through the corner but um maybe losing a little speed off of there so maybe got to work on that part but um you know i really enjoyed that part of it because you're really having to fight the car and handle uh it and put put a lot of the driving aspect into it and you know figure out your approach to the corners and everything so um really like that and hope to try to go back there soon and try it again uh everything was with uh one friend uh and we had both uh he'd been there a couple weeks ago and really let's go go karting on friday so went through that and um you know hopefully we can get some other friends out there soon on the next month or two or something like that and go out and race but yeah really enjoy that part of it and you know want to try to get back out there and then when actually when i went back home i was um trying to look up stuff online because uh, I know there's a couple of go-karting sims and I was actually trying to look into that to, uh, you know, take advantage of that and, you know, just try to um, practice like, because I mean, iRacing doesn't have a go-kart thing, you know, they don't have anything that low. So I was going to try to look into that, but maybe I might do that. But, you know, iRacing, you know, still, you know, having the feeling, I guess, from sim racing, you know, still kind of transfers over because you don't, you know, a lot of people that try go-karting for the first time are very inexperienced with it. You know, they don't really have the sense of speed or the feel, but, you know, with, um, you know, iRacing, sim racing, you know, you have the ability to, you know, kind of practice your feeling, I guess, of the you know, steering and brakes and all that stuff and get used to, um, you know, heavy braking and, um, you know, quick steering and all that stuff and then also you know your race craft as well and i was able to kind of work on my race craft a little bit during that go-karting session and um you know whenever i got through traffic try to you know change my line to try to get through traffic a little bit easier or or um you know take a take a, a different entry into the corner so that i would come out on the other side passing them or getting ready to pass them and everything. So I was able to do that and uh, have fun. So it was a real fun experience there. I hope to try to get to do that soon and, you know, try to get in and try to improve my lap times and everything. So I uh, felt like, yeah, for first time is actually pretty consistent because uh, um, he was either like inside the top three or just outside of it first time there in a long time, really, really the first time there in general. I mean, I was there in 2011, but that was such a long time ago and different carts now. And I think the track layout was a lot, I mean, it's still the same, but um, I think there is um, a different course layout that I was on there the that time before. So, um, you know uh great experience and you know if you're in the orlando area i think you know if you want a real like racing go-karting experience i think you go to orlando kart center you know k1 speed other places electric go-karts they're they're there but i feel like they're more um definitely more centered towards the tourist i guess because if you walk in there you have the carts and everything and it's very it is very uh um, efficient in terms of you know being able to go in there sign up get your races in and all that stuff but um for the i feel like 
you know, for a more motorsports centric one, you have to go to one that is not only a, a rental place, but then also has the owner's, uh, you know, karting owner's garage or whatever. So, um, you know, uh, they're, they, they understand the sport of racing karting better than a business would. So and plus, you know, K1 speed, they also have like, um, arcade and stuff. And I think there's like, uh, a bowling alley, like a, a mini bowling alley, not a, like a whole bowling alley, but they have like two or three lanes inside there as well. And yeah, and there's another place in Jacksonville too that has a electric go karting thing that I've been to a bunch, and um, they they have um, axe throwing as uh, there as well, and they have an arcade and virtual reality simulator or something like that. So yeah, there's a lot of fun in games, you know, and restaurants and stuff like that. But you know, I think a you know for a real authentic experience, you got to go to one that doubles as a actual go kart track for kart owners. So yeah, that's some um, sim racing go kart racing segment for for me and everything so um there's that and you know put in my stuff before it gets to you in the clothes but uh you know of course you can always follow jaguar's takes and everything uh at jp huffine which i'll be you know popping off about you know this weekend maybe i'll cut a promo or do something i don't know yet i have to figure something out for that but definitely be popping off on there about the jaguars at least for the time being um on my twitter at jp huffine and um you know it's a great environment to be on on Jaguars Twitter right now as we have a winning record and a playoff team. So um, glad to be on, on that. And um, also, you know, you can follow our uh, YouTube page at Gripshirt Podcasts on there uh, and see our videos and everything, which we'll have this video up soon, hopefully. And, you know, this is a good good discussion with Niner Nate and glad to be able to talk with him on there and, you know, talk about football and all that stuff. So uh, glad we had that conversation and then uh, of course as always follow when i'm streaming you know follow the uh streams at jp or yeah at ucler2 on twitch tv go follow there uh for all the racing content when i decide to stream on iRacing or any other game or racing game simulator or whatever so um go on there and uh follow or subscribe whatever um you can send me cash if you want i guess because i twitch has that ability i think but i don't really need it so i'm not a professional streamer or anything like that so i don't really need it but i guess if you wanted to you could but um yeah you know follow me on all those platforms and everything so yeah uh should be an interesting weekend here with playoffs uh, first weekend of the nfl playoff weekend um you know hopefully jaguars come out and win but if they don't i'll still be okay i'll still be able to do the show um give you the um you know the opinion on that regardless um be you know even killed give you my honest opinion on that and everything so um hopefully jaguars win <laughs> i was just reading pat some of pat mcafee's greatest lines from today's uh, uh national championship game he probably was the most interesting thing that was going on in this national championship game because it definitely wasn't a football game uh yeah he was in a suit and everything wow yeah looking sharp he actually didn't cut the sleeves off either uh that is literally the only good thing that happened in this national championship game. Uh, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter at GripstripPod on Twitter is our, uh, our, our show one. And uh, we have uh, over 160 followers. So that's, uh, that's really good. We're getting there. Hopefully we can get to 200 some point, uh, uh, you know, the, um, not this year. What? Oh, I knew it's like, yeah, I have no idea. I was confused when they said that too. Like we made the main here. Okay, what is? Yeah, I I knew. See, I knew he made the A main. I knew I was right. Freaking guy. Um, because of Briscoe, Chase Briscoe had made the A main before. 
was talking to another Chase Briscoe fan. Uh, for me, also, you can find the Gripture podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And uh, we talked about the YouTube page, Gripture Pod, uh, com. You can find the sound for the show there along with whatever platforms you listen to podcasts. We will be back with episode 152 of the Ripster Podcast next week to cover Super Wildcard Weekend. We'll also get into the Divisional Round Weekend. Hopefully, both of our teams are still alive, and uh, we can talk about that. We'll get into all the news in motorsports, some who won the Chili Bowl, who won at Oakland for Supercross, uh, Formula E, etc., etc., Getting close to the Rolex 24, of course, so uh, going to start getting into that. Uh, trying to see if we have any more recaps we should do, but I don't think we do. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, thanks to Niner Nate for coming on and uh, providing some great content there uh, here on the GSP. Uh, Josh, as always, for what you do, and hopefully uh, be careful out there and, and don't don't get crazy. Uh, don't Don't. I mean, don't, I mean, if you're going to cut a promo, like a rock promo or like Stone Cold Steve Austin, cool. Hopefully you're not like doing the Buffalo Bills going through tables and stuff like that. Um, so we'll see what happens. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week for episode 152 of the Grip Strip Podcast. For Josh, I'm Phil. Take care. God bless. Goodbye.